Hello there, guys. What's up? I'm sorry. I'm joining just about a minute late here trying to get all of my stuff in order. But welcome to episode number six of Midnight MMA. I'm your host, Manny G. Here to specifically Vegas, abyss of great cards. UFC 25, we're going to have John Jones versus Don. We'll go over some of that. We'll talk a little bit about those fights. Uh, we'll go over some of the top headlines in sports. What's going on? Mixed martial happening every week. There was no Conor McGregor, Love Boat stuff, nothing too wild, but there are some things we want to talk about. Of course, again, we'll go over recapping the results of UFC uh, Vegas 69, how it worked out, what are the implications. Now, we're going to start off by going over the full bet tip sheet. For those who are subscribed to our Substack newsletter or who follow us on Twitter or subscribe to any part of uh, any way you could follow us and, and basically follow our tip sheet and whatnot, we're going to go over that. If you don't know how to access those things, I'm going to give you specifics on how do you get a hold of our Excel sheet where we have all of our full breakdowns, information, stats. Uh, a film library, in essence, is there where you have like three or four fight links per fighter where you can go back and watch prior fights. So that, that's all available to you guys for free. We'll talk about that. And then, of course, our Substack newsletter. I'll promote that throughout, throughout the entire uh, show tonight because, number one, it's free. You have a chance to go ahead and get a full breakdown every week written up, sent to you. Even if, let's say, you're a capper and you don't want to look at other people's breakdowns and you want to do your own thing first, fine. Subscribe to our newsletter. You get the breakdown, look at it in your leisure, compare it to your own notes, along with our full tip sheet. I like to subscribe to other cappers' information, especially when it's free, because then I can review what they're doing, sort of line it up to what I'm doing as well, and you know, so on and so on. So yeah, subscribe to our Substack newsletter. If you want to know how, the link is down below here on YouTube. If you're listening to us on our podcast, then what you want to do is go to a computer at some point on your phone, look up our channel, MA Fight Club. Go to the description of our videos, and you'll see there's a link there for our Substack newsletter. All right, so all that said, tonight, what are we talking about on episode six of Midnight MMA? We're going to recap UFC Vegas 69. We're going to recap PFL week number four. That was on Friday night. Discuss a few top stories, and then take a look ahead. Now, we don't have any special guests tonight, so I apologize. We usually have at least one or two fighters coming through. This week was so busy, and uh, no excuses. No coincidences. We didn't even try to book a fighter this weekend because we just had so much going on. And we're trying to rev up a few things, specifically our, our newsletter, our newsletter, and then also getting our breakdowns out in a timely fashion. You might already recognize we have the PFL five breakdown already out. That video has already been published, along with the write-up. And our goal is to have out Monday, Tuesday at the latest to have those breakdowns out to you guys. So you don't have to wait until Wednesday or Thursday, along with the full tip sheet, as long as the lines are available. For UFC, lines don't fully become available until maybe Wednesday, Thursday at times, just because you will have most of the lines. But I like to bet on splits, for example, and sometimes those splits are not available until Wednesday, Thursday. Follow me? <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah, all that said, let's jump into talking about – oh, I see somebody just came through and they left. I, I apologize. Hello, sir. That was – Hattrick came through. He said, hello, sir. I did see you. Uh, Kabar collaborate arriving to the apex. Apex, I was like, Man, what? What? I don't know what that I don't know what this means, sir. I should read it on the fly, Hattrick, but uh, kind of got caught up. But uh, you're welcome back whenever you do come back, sir. All right, back to let's talk about UC Vegas 69. 
and I'm going to try to get to this as fast as possible because we can get caught up talking about this for hours. But I want to recap Vegas 69 for, for two reasons. Number one, if you are subscribed to any of the things that we do, this is our checks and balances, okay? Uh, we do have a third-party website account where we track our bets. We have our own bet slips as well. But this is a method where if you are subscribed to anything we do, every Sunday night, you can be rest assured we're going to put the, you know, put the iron to the fire here and try to figure out how we did. We did finish off at plus money. That's two weeks in a row. Loving that. So back-to-back weeks, winning weekends. And for this weekend, not as big as last weekend, but still finishing off in plus money with a, such a close chance of doing a few things better. Um, William Knight, we're going to talk about him quite a bit. At some point, he's going to have his own segment here on tonight's show. Uh, but he was one of the picks we had wrong. Jim Miller. You know, a lot of people were behind Jim Miller. He he was the people's champ. He was the one that I think a lot of people emotionally were rooting for. And it felt like if he can get the fight to round two, three, he would have the veteran savvy. What we saw was he got he got damaged a little bit, had a cut going. Hernandez was landing the, the cleaner punches. And Miller just never really got off uh, and never got a ground game going. So Hernandez kind of walks away with the decision there. And as a minus 240-ish favorite for Hernandez, he looked about that. Let's start off with the prelim card first, and then we'll work our way all the way up. So Clayton Carpenter comes in as a minus 285 range favorite, close at minus 300-ish. We liked him to win the fight. We were confident. We thought his opponent was, you know, just a good setup. The guy had lost by submission. Uh, We end up having a submission win for Clayton Carpenter. It's a pretty slam dunk situation. The one thing I'll say about this, next fight for Carpenter, he's going to be a, a big favorite. It's it's coming. And so we have to be careful with him in the future, who he's up against. This was clearly a layup fight for him. And he gets his first finish in the UFC. Um, yeah, you know, all is good for him. If you parlayed him, you felt great. If you decided to play him inside the distance at minus 115, that was phenomenal. We had a round one submission prop um, as a possible play. We didn't play it, <laughs> but we had it um, as a possible play. And that was plus 500. A matter of fact, right about now, let me give me one second here so I can uh, add this to the stream. And I also need to blow my nose. Give me one second. All right, let's talk business now. So we're looking at this screen here. If you're watching on YouTube, this is the Excel sheet I was mentioning before. This is free and available to anyone who wants to look at this. It's available via our Google Drive. All you do is just click on the link. You go to that that Google Drive link, that website, whatever, and you could then download this Excel sheet or just look at it there. It's totally free. It gives you, in essence, part of our analysis of the fighters. There's a rating section in the middle where we rate the fighters on experience, IQ, cardio, finishing ability, their striking ability, and grappling. That's that middle section. And when you see a blue marker, that just means that that fighter, we rank them higher in that area. And we rank it on a one through five system. Starting on the left-hand side, that's our, the leftmost side's our pick column, who we like to win. So obviously this going down to our first fight, we had Clayton Carpenter to win. We liked him a lot, which is the little arrow going up, which means we like him to win, yes. We also like him a lot, a lot to win. So he goes to seven and zero. Oh, he was dominant, training at a good gym. We thought he was better in every single area, IQ, cardio, finishing ability, striking ability, and grappling, except for experience because he still had only fought six fights. 
we did give him an edge there. The props we liked for this fight were the fight not going to decision at minus 240, into the distance at minus 115, and the round one sub at plus 500. And we also had a play on Juan Camilo Ronderos at plus 650, and we played that prop. So looking at our tip sheet here, we did terrible on our props. We didn't hit a single prop bet <laughs> for this entire card. Still came out positive overall, but our prop bets, we just couldn't seem to uh, couldn't get it right. Yeah, we had Juan Camilo Ronderos by submission at plus 600. We didn't play the round one submission prop for Clayton Carpenter, and that was a mistake, right? Because he got a round one submission. So it was on our radar, but we didn't play it. For those who played that, very well done. Next fight in the card, A.J. Fletcher up against Themba Garimbo. A.J. Fletcher wins by submission round two. And all I can tell you with this fight is we were on Themba. By the time the fight went off, I was calling him Simba, like from the movie Lion King. So my man Themba, he had his opportunities, and that's all you can ask for, especially if you were betting behind him. If you tailed our bets here, if you took our advice and it didn't work out, our apologies. Hang in there. We'll have many other good dogs for you down the line. On this one, kind of screwed the pooch. I don't think we overrated Themba. I think we were underrating A.J. Fletcher a little bit. And I can say that now hindsight. A.J. Fletcher looked very good in this fight. His cardio was not a factor. Fight ended in round two, uh, not even midway through the round two. So cardio didn't couldn't become a factor, let's put it this way. But he looked dominant. He looked good. For Themba, man, he has opportunities. He had some submission position opportunities. Not like threatening, really, but he had those opportunities. Couldn't make the most of it. Gets finished. Um, for AJ Fletcher, as a minus 250 to minus 275 range favorite, qualified. Looked good was the part. We were off here. We liked Themba. We put our money behind it. And we lost that money. Uh, we liked Themba by decision at plus 510. We had only, what, 15 bucks on that 0.15 units to win 0.77. We lost that spot. Themba by submission was plus 525. We had 0.20 units on that. And then we also had an individual bet on Themba to win. And that was at plus 230 for a half unit. So we, we really kind of dove in there on Themba. I thought my analysis on this was, was good. And uh, I learned. I learned last night it was off. But for AJ Fletcher, you know what it was? It's it's the it's the uh, it's the doubts about the other fighter, and then seeing the plus money on Themba, and I thought, listen, here's a shot. Let's take a shot here because we've got a guy who's somewhat unknown, but has some submission ability against a guy who's you know lost two in a row, but you know he's got ability, but just some question marks. So nonetheless, we were off on that. Themba loses the fight. AJ Fletcher wins. Let's move on. Felipe Linz versus Ovince Saint Pru. I was on a talk show type of thing with uh, some friends of mine over at what uh, Blood Money and uh, Johnny K Picks. They did a show on on Saturday, a pre-fight show. We talked about this fight, and I remember like word for word, I said, "When this fight's over, we might think that this minus two hundred five or minus two fifteen line for Linz or whatever plus or minus one ninety five, wherever he finished up at, is going to look like a steal." And that's what ends up happening because see, OSP is just done. I mean, he's totally washed. He's a, he's a shell of himself, his former self. We get a round one knockout in 49 seconds. Look, I like Felipe Linz, but he ain't that good. He's that good against a washed-up OSP. So, yeah, OSP, it's over for him. For Le Felipe Linz at minus 205, that ends up hitting. We like some of these props. The fight not going to decision at minus 135, that ends up being a no-brainer. Under 2.5 was minus 100. So the books were saying that's your break-even point. You know, 
we did, I don't think anyone expected this. I like the Linz to win, but not like this. Now, the decision prop for Linz was plus 175. The KO prop for OSP, I figured, hey, puncher's chance, right? That was plus 600. The inside the distance prop for Felipe Lenz was plus 165. That ends up hitting, and that wasn't a big plus money prop. So kind of interesting. The books did feel as a, there was a high likelihood that it could be a finish, and it being by Lenz. And then a round three KO for, for Felipe Lenz, we had that on our radar, and that was at plus 1,300. Just figured maybe OSP gets tired, makes a mistake. Yeah, just round one, 49 seconds, and that was all she wrote. From a betting perspective, what do we have invested in this fight? We had... We didn't have Felipe Linz on an individual money line play, and it's because he was minus 205. It was a little too rich for our liking. We were thinking about it, but we didn't do it. Just making sure we had any props in this fight. Um, OSP by KO at plus 600. We played that for just 0.15 units to win 0.90 units, and we lost that. Yeah, we lost every single prop on this fight card. But hey, that's why you do props, parlays. You mix it up. You diversify. It's kind of like a investment portfolio. You don't just only dump all your money only into real estate or only into, let's say, oil business or only into telecom. You kind of diversify. You mix things up. There's markets that go up and down. And for the sake of our bet tip sheet, we diversify. And also our prop bets, you may notice if you've been following us, they're very high odds, like plus 500, plus 1,000, plus... We're meant to play these spots at small, like small, like spots, like 10, 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, 30 bucks with a big return. If we don't hit them, whatever, we move on, not a big deal. But these are meant to be big return spots with low investment, if that makes any sense to you. Okay, let's move on here. I don't think we had any props that were there besides the OSPKO. No. All right. So moving up to card, Jamal Emmers with a win over Hussein Askabov. What did we learn here? We learned that the record of Askabov is, um, for lack of better words, you know, paper, paper, paper light, paper thin, whatever that phrase is. It's uh, it's a bit fraudulent. We identified that in our breakdown. We we talked about this in detail. I I compared that record that whatever twenty three and zero whatever he was to being like a five and zero regional record in the United States. He was fighting in a weak scene. People confused him as being. Russian scene, not, not quite Russian scene. He's a guy who had fought like in Eastern Europe and whatnot. He's a guy who kind of was on the edge there. And uh, yeah, put it this way, he he just bottom line was not a not a fighter that we looked at his film and thought, oh, he's amazing. What I saw from him in film, a guy that was sloppy at times with his striking, lacked good technique, appeared to be tired. Maybe that was based upon his opponent. Maybe his opponent was the kind of, you know, fighter that just sort of drew that out of him. But ultimately, what we saw was not a fighter that impressed me. And I thought to myself, okay, who is he fighting? Then you look at his tapology, you look at the fighters up against, and what you realize right there is, you know, he's not fighting anyone that's of any substance. He's fighting guys that are, you know, um, yeah, just basically fighting people that are just cans, regional cans. We noticed it. It was it was wide open, and yet you know what really surprised me. When I heard people that I respect capping the fight, and they were on Hussein Askabov, and I thought to myself, "Oh shit, oh shit." <laughs> that was the moment when I grabbed a glass of wine. And I said, "Oh shit." But our analysis here was pretty pinpoint. Jamal Emmers, not the most amazing fight in the world. We thought he had better experience. If you're seeing here this on this chart here, we thought he had better experience. 
better fight IQ, better cardio, striking was better, grappling was better, and the only thing we saw them as equal was finishing ability, which is where they're kind of like, eh. In terms of our props, when we're getting three out of the four props correctly, along with the fighter being picked correctly, and the fighter's a slight dog, we're that slam dunk analysis we're getting, it's almost like a hat trick, right? I'm not a big underdog, but plus money, Jamal Emmers, we had him picked to win. We like the fight going to decision. It does at plus 100. The fight going over one and a half was our favorite spot here. That was minus 225. The fight going to decision for a win by Emmers was plus 350. And then decision win by Askabov was plus 225. That obviously did not happen. So this was a nice win for us. Again, felt like a lot of people were down on Emmers because the, the the topology record tells you, oh, split decision loss to uh, Giga Chikaze. Watch that fight back. He won that fight. And it was of my opinion that Giga, even though he's got a limitations, that Giga is better than Hussein. And if Emmers, in my opinion, beat Giga, you know, then it's the round one heel hook to Patrick Sabatini. We talked about it. We made a joke of it that we thought that was a grappling bout. <laughs> Maybe it was a May bout, but it was really a grappling bout because, you know, Patrick Sabatini is a grappling guy. Anyway, nice win there. Jamal Emmers gets a W. From a betting perspective, we did play Emmers straight up. We had Emmers for a half unit. Yep, Emmers for a half unit at plus 110. The return was 0.55 units. My biggest regret there is that we didn't lay the wood. You know, we didn't actually get more aggressive. But, you know, we tend to be a little conservative here with our betting style. Uh, this, These are real bets. We're placing these bets. They're not fictitious bets. And so sometimes we may come off a little more conservative than other outlets. But the idea is to get a positive return. So with Jamal Emmers, only a half unit was laid out there to win 0.55 units. In terms of prop bets, I'm just looking here. I don't see anything. Okay. What I'll do for the parlays, since that's going to be like another little chapter we'll talk about, we'll review the parlays after we get to the direct bets, um, individual bets, I mean, and then also the prop bets. Okay. Let's move the card here to Myra Bueno Silva versus Lena Landsberg. I'll tell you what, so close here. Our analysis gave us Myra Bueno Silva by round one submission, and we were very specific that that was how it would end. I mean, we put a bet behind it. I thought about laying some real lumber behind that bet. It was like plus 600 or plus 650 for round one submission by Bueno Silva. And I thought, like I said, I was going to pull the trigger. Lesson learned here. I think next time, cover multiple rounds. It's more of an investment. You may stand to lose more. But this was hard to watch because we had Silva by round one submission. And if you looked at Silva's topology, you know, her history, we talked about this. All of her submissions in the past have been in round one. And specifically, they had been by arm bar with the exception of just one. One was by like a rear naked choke. In this fight here, she gets herself a knee bar submission. Now, mind you, I've I've seen some taps that are quick. This one was the fastest one ever because the, the knee had never even get never got fully extended, let alone hyper extended. And Lena was like, I'm good. Lena should consider packing it up. Great, respectable fighter. It's time though. Her and OSP both. It might be that time. And if they don't think it's time, the USP, USV, UFC might make it their time <laughs> within the promotion. So Bueno Silva wins the fight. Huge favorite, minus 475. I wasn't parlaying her a ton. Was a little concerned. You know, very chalky. Women's fights. Things get a little bit weird. But she's 10 years younger. Dominates. The props that we like, if you're looking here on YouTube, we're looking at our Excel sheet, which is more or less our our Bible when we're going through our breakdowns throughout the week. It's where we're putting all our information and start to make comparisons. 
if you look on the very far right, you see the in the text. It's right. It's in white. That is the that is the uh, excuse me the links to prior fights. And so you can click on those links. Those are prior fights. It's available free for all of our UFC cards, all of our any, any of our breakdowns. We'll do an Excel sheet. It's available in our Google Drive. That's free. You don't have to subscribe to our Google Drive, or there's no there's no paywall or anything like that. If you look down below here on YouTube in our description, you'll see the link there to our Google Drive. And so what we we'll do what we do is we create a folder for each event. So like UFC Vegas 69, there's a folder there on a Google Drive where you can click on that folder and you go right to that folder. You'll see the raw notes in Word Word style document. You can download those Word documents for each fight breakdown for each uh, each fight, and then a Excel sheet like this for that fight card. And then also there's a tip sheet in a Word document, which you can look at them there. You can view it. You can't edit anything, but you can view it and you can also download it. So that's what we're looking at right now is the Excel sheet that was available this past week for UFC Vegas 69. All right, so the, the props for this, right? The prop bets we had, we had the fight not going to the decision was plus 110. Obviously finished in round one. A submission by Bueno Silva was plus 200. That ended up being free money. We just didn't play it aggressively. And now I'm looking back like, you know, that... <laughs> So simple. The fight going over a round and a half was minus 260. That ends up, did that cash? We have it here as cashing. But what time did the fight end in round number two? The fight ended at, uh, yeah, 445. So, yeah, so it was late in round two, mind you. And that just, it's interesting because with, again, Silva, all of her finishes, all her submission finishes, that is, had happened in round one. It's the first time outside of round one. Yeah, is what it is. Okay, so. Uh, that does happen. Open over one and a half does cash. Decision prop for Landsberg was plus 500. No. Decision prop for Bueno Silva plus 110. No. And then we had the round one submission prop on Silva. Uh, yeah, on Silva at plus 650. Doesn't happen. The split decision props. We did play those. We sprinkled them just thinking women's fight. You never know. Like plus 1600 for Landsberg and like plus 600 or plus, yeah, plus 600 for Silva. The draw was plus 5,500. We played all that, but none of it ended up doing anything. So more like lottery tickets there, right? Anyway, Silva wins the fight. For those who just played Silva as a parlay piece and were just looking to add to their parlay, uh, you did well. Simple, simple. You did well. It worked out well for you. No sweat. Moving up the card. Nazim Sajakov versus Evan Elder. Got to feel bad for Elder here. He suffers a cut in a fight that was pretty close. He could have arguably won round one already. And the cut was bad. Uh, if you didn't look at it on social media, I'll tell you that it, it was it was really bad. It was deep. So round three, the fight gets stopped. It seemed like the referee noticed it right away. Um, I thought like, wow, the referee seems like he's being a little sensitive here. And <laughs> like I said, you look at the uh, – it's disgusting. Look at the, the images on social media. It was just a very big gash. And I guess, look, the bones that are there behind your your, your eye socket area – you, you hit that skin the right way and the glove and everything. It just, yeah, it's not the glove that's hitting it that's splitting it from the outside. It's that bone underneath and uh, terrible cut. It was probably the right stoppage. I feel bad for Elder. I thought he was doing well. The minus 170 spot for Nazim from a betting perspective, you're like, wow, great return. Having watched the fight live, I was sweating a little bit. Wasn't as confident as I was pre-fight. Evan Elder, he came ready to play. I got to give him that. So what ends up happening here is Nazim gets the win by Dr. Stoppage. The props that we were looking at, the ones that we were you know, most on our radar, were the fight not going to decision at minus 130, 
into the distance at plus 165. The fight going over a round and a half at minus 225. That was our favorite prop, and that ends up hitting. And then both fighters by decision, but the fight again ends. So Nazim wins the fight. For those who parlayed Nazim, excellent. He worked out. For those who just played him straight up, it worked out. Did we play this fight straight up? Um, just double checking here. Nazim, Nazim, Nazim. We did. We had we had one unit on Nazim. Wow, we were confident. That's right. I forgot. We had one unit on Nazim at minus one seventy to win 0.59 units. So we get a little bit of return there. Should have got a little bit more in there, right? In terms of the prop bets, prop bets for that fight. Yeah, no prop bets for that fight. Okay, let's move on. Moving up to the last fight, the prelim card, Alexander Hernandez versus Jim Miller. We, like a lot of people, fell in love with Jim Miller here, plus money, veteran, so on and so on. And Hernandez was better than we thought. He looked better than we thought. He came in somewhat late notice, moving around weight, whatever, but nine years younger. He looked younger, good good punching power. He cut up Jim Miller pretty badly in round two-ish, the cut being below the eye. At least that kind of helped Jim Miller a little bit. Jim couldn't get any wrestling going. <laughs> it was all a stand-up affair where Hernandez was busier. In our pre-fight analysis, and if you're looking here on YouTube, you can sort of see our ratings. We gave Jim Miller the experience advantage and fighter IQ advantage. IQ, especially with Hernandez, because he tends to get into brawls. Doesn't work out well for him. Gets hurt, gets finished. For cardio, we also had questions about Hernandez's cardio, even though he looked very good here. No question. Finishing ability, again, we gave the edge there to Miller. For striking, we gave the edge to Hernandez. And for grappling, we found them to be about equal. We end up seeing no grappling, more or less. Striking only. And so the one area that we did see the advantage for Hernandez was in the striking. And that's where it happened at. And he wins the fight going away by decision. For those who bet Hernandez at minus 240, it wasn't like you were sweating the fight. It was good. He looked like minus 240. For those who bet Jim Miller, you could see early on. Like halfway through round one, you're like, Okay, well, if Hernandez doesn't tire, this is not going to be good for us. We're, we're not on a winning path, right? The props we like for this fight was a fight not going to decision at minus 250. We thought Hernandez would tire. We thought someone would find a finish or the full distance. Over one and a half at minus 140, that ends up hitting. The KO prop for Hernandez, no. Decision prop for Hernandez. Decision prop for Hernandez was plus 300. Wow, so he was minus 240 on my line. But if you played Hernandez by decision, it was plus 300. The fight starting round two was a spot we liked quite a bit, and that was minus 250. The second round finish for Miller. We were talking about this all week. Oh, second round finish, third round finish, Miller, Miller, Miller. Yeah, second round was plus 1,100, and third round was plus 1,600. And then anytime it's in the distance for Miller was plus 300. So, yeah, we just struck out there. Strike one, two, and three. And then strike four was Jim Miller uh, losing the fight. So 39-year-old Jim Miller, he didn't look terribly old. He didn't look like he was completely out of sorts. He gave good accountability for himself. But, uh, yeah, Hernandez looked good there, and that makes you wonder because Hernandez has his issues, but in this spot he looked good. And for Jim Miller, we'll see what happens from here. Coming in a little bit of winning streak, maybe, you know, temper some things down. Probably fights again, though, this year because the guy's a warrior, right? And that was the last fight of the prelim card. Let me take a sip of this wine. Now's a good time, by the way, if you're not drinking some wine, to refill your glass and get some wine. I'm drinking some Cab, a.k.a. Cabernet Sauvignon, but I'm a fan of Merlot. I'm a fan of good beer, cold beer especially. Uh, I do like some vodka from time to time, so if you're a drinker, now's a good time to fill your glass with me and enjoy uh, as we go through the rest of the UFC Vegas 69 card. As part of our midnight 
MMA show episode number six. We mentioned in our introduction today, we don't have any special guests tonight, so I do apologize. It's just me and my boring self talking to you about mixed martial arts this past week, this full fight card, our bet tip sheet, and then also looking ahead at the week coming up. We got UFC UFC 285 coming up in two weeks. Going to be a monster card, man. The main event with Cyril Gaon and um, John Jones. The leftovers, you know, from what Francis Ngannou and him walking away, that drama, the whole nine. I wonder how the UFC will cover that. Maybe they just kind of sprinkle it. Uh, nonetheless, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about PFL a little bit. We'll go over some top stories in the sports. William Knight. We haven't got to William Knight yet, but William Knight and what he did on Saturday night. If you didn't watch the fight, you may have heard some of the clamors around the internet. I think that fight, I'm, I'm like almost sure that fight was fixed in some capacity. And I, and I have, in essence, some like visual proof for you that it may have been fixed. We're going to talk about that in a few moments. So that's the first fight in the main card. Again, let's take a sip of a wine together real quickly, and then we'll move on. All right, all right, all right. So first fight in the main card, Marcin Prachniak. Let me see if I can get some tunes on. I like to have music in the background. But what ends up happening here is we get lag sometimes. And I, this is this is on the end the uh, on the end of Streamyard. Okay, Marcin Prachnyar versus William Knight. First fight in the main card. We were on William Knight. Our thinking was he would connect a big punch. Marcin Prachnyar, bit of a reckless fighter, has shown. Good chin, bad chin, depending upon how you look at it. Like, gets cracked a bunch of times, but keeps fighting. We just thought William Knight, man, looks looks good, getting back in shape. The weigh-ins, I was looking, I was so happy with the weigh-ins. I'm like, man, this guy looks ripped. He's biceps, you know, talking about, you know, getting back down to his right weight. He's a guy who suffered with weight in, in, like, high school and stuff and, you know, went through, like, a fat phase in his life and, has, you know, talked about it and, I'm like, the guy's back on track, right? I'm going to come back to this fight later on, but let's just say this. He comes out there and does absolutely nothing for three rounds, makes a few faces every now and then, like, ooh, ooh, you kind of got me, and puts on one of the worst performances I've ever seen in any mixed martial arts fight. Forget about UFC. Any mixed martial arts fight. I think it was the fight with Rose Namajunas when she fought uh, Carla Esparza, right? And they just danced around for like, Five rounds. That was a five-round fight. It, that was wild to watch. It was like that from William Knight's side. Prashnow was doing some work, kicking him and doing whatever, but William Knight was doing just nothing, nothing. And his posture, when they would engage, he would, like, engage, but then he would lean back as they were engaging. Every single time they went to engage, William Knight would step forward, but then he would lean back. And I'm like, how are you going to do anything? You, you, just, you just always keep leaning back. Like, you don't like go forward. Everything, everything was leaned back. He did nothing. <laughs> he did nothing. Pratchett was kicking him in the leg. And early on, you would see William Knight be like, oh, psh, that's not doing nothing, dude. Make your faces like, what's that? Ooh, you got me. And I'm like, all right, that's kind of unnecessary, but like, whatever. Maybe it's not doing anything to him. Eventually, that turns into William Knight reaching down and like at one point holding his leg like, ah, ah, oh limping couldn't stand on it i'm like dude's got what, what's going on with this guy we tweeted out like mid second round like this has got to be the most embarrassing performance i've ever seen then by the time you're in the third round you're like wait a second this is beyond embarrassing 
Like there's something going on here. This is not making any fucking sense. We'll come back to what I think may have been going on here. I do think this fight was fixed in some capacity. It's hard to prove those things from a distance. I do have some visual evidence that suggests this fight was fixed. We'll talk about that in a different segment of tonight's show. But what ends up happening here, William Knight loses. We, we lose a few bets here with him. We weren't heavily invested, but we had him in like a parlay. And yeah, it, it could have been, it could have been better. I'll put it that way, right? The props we like for this fight was the fight not going to decision at minus 25. No. Under two and a half at minus 160. The round two KO prop for night was plus 950, as it should be, because we ended up not getting that, right? <laughs> okay, so looking at our bets for this fight, we had night by round two KO at plus 950 for 0.10 units. Obviously, no bueno. And that was the only prop that we had going for this fight. We had William Knight straight up to win for a half unit at minus 105. We lost that. And then we'll talk about the parlays later on. But he was also in a parlay as well. We'll get back to this fight later on. We'll talk about the implications, the the, the fixing of the fight, how this should be investigated. If you're going to accuse people like James Krause of, of doing funny business, this has to fall in the same category. We'll talk about that in a minute. So Jamal Pogues and Josh Parisian, that's the next fight. And Pogues wins by decision. This one was a fairly easy fight to see coming. Two guys that limited finishing ability. I don't know how to put it. Just, you know, not that killer instinct. Not, not built that way. Both big guys, natural heavyweights. Just lacking that, yeah, lacking that finishing ability. And so we had Parisian having the experience advantage. We like Pogues having the cardio advantage and the striking advantage. Just ends up being a you know uneventful fight. <laughs> Pogues wins by decision. Fight going a distance at minus 120. We like that spot. Decision win for Pogues was plus 150. The over one and a half, minus 275. All that works out. The fight starting round two. Those were all props that we had on our radar. Now, Pogues inside the distance at plus 165. Nope. And split decision props. We took a sprinkle there, but the fight ends up being one-way traffic. Pogues was the fight for Parisian. Oh, yeah, man. Just not very good. And for the UFC, you know, this, this is one of the weaker cards we're going to see the entire year. And uh, this fight right here on the main card following that William Knight fight, back-to-back <laughs> -back hot garbage. So co-main event. Um, oh, bets, bets. How do we do there? Let's talk about our bets for that fight. So did we have anything on that fight? Pogues by split decision, we played that. Parisian by split decision, we played that. Like 10 bucks, 12 bucks. The odds are crazy, like plus 1,400, plus 800. Doesn't work out, whatever. No big deal. We can live to fight another day. Direct bets on them, no, nothing. Okay, so co-main event, Zach Palga versus Jordan Knight. This fight, this motherfucker fight. Everyone thought this fight was not going to decision. I was in that same boat. That boat sunk in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, and we all went down with it. Minus 650 for the fight, not going to decision. And I, you know, if you're looking on my Excel sheet here as I'm talking to you real time on the YouTuber, you see that it's not only marked in red because it's obviously a, a lost prop bet, but it's got a green text. The green text on this sheet means that we were liking that spot quite a bit. Not necessarily heavily betting at minus 650, but we like that spot. We thought that's very likely the fight does not go to decision. Jordan Wright 
no no endurance, no cardio, no chin, gets finished all the time. Very dangerous fighter. So this fight ends up playing out completely a different way. And if you see here, all of our props were off. So finishing props, it's at the distance, fight not starting round three, round two TKO, under two and a half, all eh, 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 wrong, wrong, wrong. For Palga, he gets the win. But damn if this dude is not like allergic to finishes. Like it's one thing we learned about Zach Palga. Even when he's facing a guy that he could and should and almost finishes, couldn't do it. And, and Jordan Wright, I tell you what, he ate a lot of punches. He ate a lot of elbows. He ate a lot of stuff. He actually, dare I say, looked better. <laughs> His thing has been right durability. And he showed some durability. It was one of the biggest upsets of the night when you think about it from the perspective of what the fight was projected to be like and what happens. I mean, if you took the fight going to decision, that was probably sitting at, what, plus 425 or some crazy shit like that. So this fight was completely different than we expected. For Zach Palga, you know, he gets the win. Not uh, not, not amazing. Gets the win. What's up, Mr. Queentail Reigns? How are you? Quintai? Quintai? I'm sorry. Quintai? What's up? How are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you for stopping through. So yeah, for Zach Palga gets the win, and uh, from a betting perspective, how do we how are we affected there? Well, we had a bet on Zach Palga round two TKO at plus five twenty five. No bueno, doesn't work out for us. And yeah, that fight it cost us in some parlays. We'll talk about that as well because we were a lot of we had a lot of confidence there. I think most people had confidence there. We had confidence he's going to come through, get a finish. Jordan Wright would get gassed out, make a mistake, and all she wrote right. So let's move on here to the main event. Jessica Andrade versus Aaron Blanchfield. Full disclosure, I literally fell asleep during the Zach Palga fight. Had to wake up and rewatch it later on. Slept in the entire Blanchfield fight. And I remember waking up because I went to lay down for a little bit. Brought my laptop with me. Lay down in bed, you know, talking to the wifey. And next thing you know, I put my laptop now bedside. I'm going to lay on my side. Look at the laptop. Just woke up like, oh, what's going on here? I'm watching the post-fight show with the people talking about the fight, seeing Blanchfield won. I'm like, holy shit. By submission, I'm like, holy shit. You know, whoa. As everyone else probably did. People who didn't watch the fight card or fell asleep like I did because probably around that William Knight, Jamal Pogues, a lot of people literally probably fell the hell asleep. Okay? And woke up and saw what I saw. Like, Blanchfield won by submission. We liked Blanchfield to win. We had her pre-fight. We thought that the, the rumors about Jessica Andrade, injuries, not a full camp, having a, a vacation mode after her last fight, you know, th those rumors, they may still not be completely accurate, but they end up looking fairly more accurate than not accurate. You know, the, the words we were hearing from people that we know in Brazil was that after her last fight, which was in Brazil, she celebrated, had a good time, downtime. She wasn't planning to go right back into the cage again at some point this year, but not right away. This fight pops up. Weeks notice she didn't look good. She didn't look good. She didn't look her same. She didn't look, her cardio wasn't great, made mistakes. She wasn't in great looking shape. And so those tips that we kind of were, were talking about throughout the week and we talked about in our breakdowns, whatever else, they ended up being fairly accurate. So Blanchfield wins. Submission win, round number two. The props we like for this fight with a fight not going to decision. Minus 250 makes sense, right? Five-round fight. Pretty simple. Submission win by Blanchfield, plus 450. I mean, that looks like free money now post-fight. The fight starting round two, we played that in a prop. 
the fight starting round two at minus 300, it was a bit chalky, but we felt comfortable there. Now, hindsight, I'm like, whoa, the fight anyway finished in round number two, right? And then the split prop, we played that, but no action there in the splits. For Jessica Andrade, into the distance at minus 105, we did tap that, but nothing was there. The fight going over a round and a half at minus 235 doesn't even go that long. He had plans, she'll get a submission. Just great work for her. So the bets in this fight, individual bets, Blanchfield at plus 140. We got her for 0.75 units to win 1.05. Happy with the bet. Happy with the betting spot. Again, wish we would have let a little more on the line there. But we like Blanchfield. She pulls it off. For our prop bets, Blanchfield by split decision. No. Andrade by split. No. And then we didn't have Blanchfield by submission, which now looking back is just kind of silly. At plus 450, I guess we were thinking we already invested enough on the, on the, individual, on the individual play. So again, looking back at our Excel sheet, how do we finish here? We end up finishing eight and three overall. We had Carpenter, Linz, Emmers, Silva, Sajikov, Pogues, Palga, and Blanchfield all to win. Those were all correct, but we had William Knight to win. Incorrect. <laughs> Jim Miller and Themba. Looking back on this, I think we were reaching a little bit too much on Themba. Probably should have just gone with A.J. Fletcher, even though we were worried about his cardio. Miller, yeah, same thing. I think we were reaching a little bit with Miller as the veteran, looking for a dog, and probably should have just gone with the favorite there. And for William Knight, he's he's had red flags in the past. There's reasons to have doubted him. His stock now may be lower than ever, and he may not even be in the UFC after that fight because that was a really bad performance. So those three fights right there, we got, her off, we got incorrectly. We finished off eight and three. For our prop bets, the bets that we were mentioning, not all of them we played, but the ones that we give everyone like tips on throughout the week, and we put them to our write-up, we went 26 and 35. Not a great result. I like to finish around 50-50 there, around 500. So we finished a little bit lower than I wanted to finish. In the prelim card, we were a little bit hotter, as you can see by you know the breakdown. And then the main card, we kind of cooled off and had a lot more red, a lot less blue there on our prop bets. But overall, not a, a bad result from a pick, from a winning and losing perspective. Now, back to our tip sheet. I'm going to pull it up now so you can actually see what I'm looking at. This tip sheet, which I'm reviewing with you, is available via our Substack newsletter. It's entirely free. The link's down below. Subscribe to that newsletter. You get a full breakdown for all UFC, PFL, Bellator cards. You also get a full tip sheet. It's entirely free. It gives you our individual bets, our parlays, our, some of our specials, um, prop bets, so on and so on. If you're a capper, subscribe to this because if anything, it's just another resource for you. We include stats in our breakdown. And I like to see what other people think as well. So if I'm if I'm capping fights, and I'm looking at different results and possibilities. I like to hear other people's point of view, not to necessarily influence my breakdown, but just to hear what else is out there and maybe even compare my notes. How am I doing? Am I off on this? I'll hear things sometimes that I'm like, oh, shit, I didn't even think of that. That's a great point. You know what I mean? We can't cover everything. So whether you're a capper, casual fan, uh, or just becoming a fan of mixed martial arts in general, subscribe to our Substack newsletter. It's entirely free. Tons of content. You get links to the Substack, uh, I'm sorry, links to our Google Drive, which is, again, free. Links to go ahead and see our Excel sheet, like we're talking about the Excel sheet before. You get you get access to um, our, our video breakdowns. All of it's available. It's all there for free through our Substack newsletter. Please subscribe to that when you get a chance. Okay, now back to this tip sheet. So right now I'm looking at the top of the tip sheet. For those subscribed to our newsletter, you've seen this. You know what this is. It arrives in your email once a week. You could also get it via the app on your phone then access it any time throughout the week and look at it anytime you're on the move and maybe have some time to sit down and look at it. All right, here we go. So first area was individual money line plays. For individual bets, we had Aaron Blanchfield to win, Jim Miller to win, William Knight, 
Jamal Emmers, Nazim Sajikov, Themba, Garimbo. We put 3.75 units on the line to win 2.67. The final result was we got we went walk away with plus 0.69 units. So more or less running in place. No real action there. For prop bets, there's a bunch of them there. We talked about them. I'm not going to regurgitate all of them with you, but we had a lot of them there, and we ended up putting 1.62 units on the line to win 15.51. So limited investment, big return. It's like buying a property on the edge of the wrong side of town. You know, at first, you might have to sweat a little bit, but you're hoping for that big bang at some point down the road. We are finishing with none of them winning. So negative 1.62 units, not a crushing blow. Um, would like to have seen us hit one of them, but looking back, probably a few spots where we just didn't cover enough ground, like that round two submission by Bueno Silva. We were tied into round one or not playing that submission prop, for example, by uh, by Blanchfield. That was kind of silly, you know, hindsight's 2020. But anyway, finish up negative in the props. Parlays, we make up some ground. Here's the first parlay. Silva to win, Linz to win, Carpenter to win. That was plus 141 odds. We put 0.75 units there to win 1.06. That was that was a winner. Zach Palga to win and Jamal Pokes to win at minus 103. One unit to win 0.97 units. That was also a winner. Zach Palga fight, no distance at minus 500. <laughs> no bueno. That ends up not cashing. And then fight on uh, the night fight, no distance. So those combined were minus 108. They both end up losing. And we had one unit on that. Pretty confident we lost that full unit there. Nazim fight over a round and a half at minus 120. And the AJ fight no distance at minus 175. That was plus 188 odds. That ends up hitting. We had a half unit on that to win 0.94 units. Carpenter fight no distance at minus 240. Emmer's fight over a round and a half at minus 215 combines for plus 108 odds. We had a half unit on that to win 0.54 units. That was a nice little spot. Andrade fight over a round and a half at minus 245. Pogues fight starts round number two at minus 450. And Miller fight starts round two at minus 250 for plus 141 odds. It was the Andrade fight over a round and a half that lost us the leg there, which hindsight, I'm, again, surprised. I thought Blanchfield might do well. We liked her in this fight, but, <laughs> yeah, she got it done much faster than I thought. So we lose we lose 0.75 units on that parlay. And then the last parlay was Andrade fight starts round two, minus 300. That happens. Carpenter to win at minus 285 at, my, at equals minus 125 when you combine them. We had 1.25 units on that to win one. Nice winner there. So for our parlays, we ended up making up some ground. We had 5.75 units on the line to win 6.5. We ended up winning point. We ended up winning, I'm sorry, plus 2.76 units. That's again plus 2.76 units in our parlays. As for our specials, now our specials are usually parlay oriented, but to give you an overview of our specials, they're usually also themes. So it depends on the card, where it's at, if it's going to be in Australia in London, so on and so on. They're usually just creative versions of what we're looking at as a card, uh, naming them appropriately, and then at the same time, most of them are parlays, and some of them have really big odds. Like, for example, not this week, but last week for UFC in Australia, UFC uh, 284, right? We had like an 11-leg parlay cash. It was amazing. It was like plus 40,000 odds. So we try to give you some type of those fun parlays where it's limited investment, big return, just having a little bit of fun with it. So here's our specials. The first one was the prelim parlay. Linz, Silva, and AJ Fletcher, all three of them to win, gave you plus 153 odds. A 0.75 unit bet to win 1.15 units, that cashed. The doggy style parlay, that was Blanchfield and Miller. Ends up not cashing because obviously Miller lost. We only had a 0.15 units in there to play the, to, to win that, but that was whatever. Move on. 
Team America, probably number one. <laughs> AJ Fletcher, Carpenter, and Nazim to win. And believe it or not, Nazim is American. He's actually from New York City. Russian family, of course, but he's American. So Carpenter, Nazim, AJ Fletcher, Team America, probably number one. Gave us plus 204 odds, a half a unit to win 1.02 units. Very well done. That catches. Team America, probably number two. Emmers to win. Yes. Paga to win. Yes. Pogues to win. Yes. And it was Knight who drops the ball for us at minus 105. That gave us plus 688 odds. Wow. It would have been nice, right? A quarter unit to win 1.72 units. No bueno. And then our full card parlay minus Silva and AJ. Now, looking back on that, I probably should have included Silva and AJ and taken out two other people, which we'll talk about. So we have Blanchfield, Paga, Pogues, Emmers, Linz, Nazim, Carpenter. All that hits. The two legs that don't hit, Knight and Miller. Knight and Dan Miller. That was plus 17,741 odds, a $10 bet to win 1,700 and change, whatever. So yet yeah, so close, but yet so far. And Miller, we just fell in love with the whole veteran thing. We did. We fell in love with the whole veteran thing. And for Knight, I'm never going to bet again. Guilty feet have gotten over it. I will never, ever, 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 ever go to the window for that man again. Nothing personal. But that performance, which we'll talk about, was whew. So for our specials, we finished off with plus 1.67 units and could have done better. Got close there. We had 1.75 minutes on the line to win 22.56. So that limited investment, again, you'll hear that a lot with us, limited investment with a huge return. So our grand total for the entire card, we had 12.87 units or a little over $1,000 on the line to win 47.33 units, which would have been $4,700 and change, right? We ended up walking away with plus 3.5 units, and it's plus 3.50 even. <laughs> Uh, a good return on a card that people were saying was terrible and and uh, you know not entertaining, and I fell asleep at some point. Yeah, I, I think we ended up making out with a little bit of something, learned a few things, uh, a few bets we could have done a little bit differently. I think we could have you know maximized them more, but we moved forward to fight another day. If you trailed us, if you tracked some of your bets around us, you made some money, so we're happy for you. Now, as for our parlay pieces, the last part of this tip sheet. The parlay pieces are the pieces that we feel very confident in on the card. Where you want to, you could parlay them with maybe some other stuff, like parlay this with PFL, upcoming event, uh, other events. You know, parlay with a fight coming up next month. They're the they're the fight pieces that we feel like you're very comfortable parlaying, and usually are pretty chalky. In this case, we went two for three, which is never never good to ever drop one. These are very confident spots, so we take it personal when we don't get these right. Zach Pogba versus Jordan Wright, the fight not going the distance. That was like a minus 450, minus 500 spot. That was one of our favorite parlay pieces, and that did not happen, so that was incorrect. Clayton Carpenter to win, that ends up happening. And Andrade versus Blanchfield start, fight starts round number two. That barely happens because that fight ended up pretty quickly in round number two. So we had two of the three parlay pieces correct, but we should always be three for three or four for four. These are the more core, like cornerstone pieces of what we're looking forward to for parlaying for anything. You know what I mean? So our apologies for those that, you know, followed us in these parlay pieces who ended up having any tickets to crash because those didn't work out. That's on us. But if you followed us overall, our total tip sheet, you finish off a plus 3.50 units. Not a bad overall day. Not a bad day. Okay, so that's UFC Vegas 69 in a nutshell. And now's a good time to segue to our conversation about the William Knight fight. 
and the visual evidence of why that fight was most likely a fix. And more information has come out now since the, the fight. I heard a podcast today talking about something that I just, I didn't think about it. You know, sometimes you don't, you know, it's all happening so fast that we can't diagnose when the fix is happening or what the parameters are and, you know, so on and so on. But that was William Knight's last fight on his uh, his contract. Did that look to you or anybody like the effort of somebody who was on the last fight of their contract? I can't give you a, a, a tape recording of William Knight saying he threw the fight. I, I can't bring a witness on here to corroborate what I'm suggesting. All I can do is suggest to you that what I saw, my own damn eyes, is usually not doesn't deceive me too much in these type of situations. And I can go on and on with examples of how sometimes if it looks you know like a duck and, and you know, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck, right? He did not fight in that fight. William Knight did not even try to fight. And if that's your last fight on the promotion and you want any part of trying to stay in the promotion, <laughs> you wouldn't go out there and do that. No way. There's no way you would actually do that if you were actually trying to stay in the promotion. The money line had him at minus 105 range, pick him range. There was nothing to suggest that there was anything nefarious going on. There was no crazy line movement right before the fight. He looked wonderful at weigh-ins. He looked phenomenal. It was amazing shape. The fight starts. This man literally does not even try to engage. He's leaning back. Every time they go to physically be close, he leans back. He's taking kick after kick. He's making more faces than doing anything else. And Prachnell is being cautious. Like he's from a distance. Like he'll come in, tap, tap, run away. Come in, tap, tap the leg, run away. Doesn't throw any hard punches. He tests the water, but Prachnell's like, listen, if this guy's going to throw any punches, I could just win by just tap, tap. The tap tap turns into now William Knight is reaching down for his leg like it's hurting him. He's not doing anything about it, really. Got a wrestling background, not trying to wrestle. <laughs> like there's a moment like in a round two or round three where he like fake runs forward like, oh, I'm going to do something and then doesn't do anything. And I'm like, that's when I realized this fight's fixed. He took a dive. And if you wonder how you can still gamble on fights, if you're a fighter, like people are like, oh, they can't get more fights anymore. <laughs> How many people do people like, you know, once you're on the earth long enough, you meet a lot of people. Some you befriend more than others. You're telling me William Knight doesn't know one person in the world where he can go to them and say, listen, I, I need to trust you with this. I'm going to break you off or something. I'm going to give you $50,000, 50 G's. And I, I need you to bet this $50,000 this way. You're going to put 5000 at this casino, 5000 that, these different casinos. Put that money on me to lose the fight. Or no, to, for Prochnial to win the fight by decision. I'm going to go out there. I'm losing that fight. I'm losing it by decision. He did it. He pulled it off. He gets paid the money. His boy comes to him. They, they split it up. How would anyone ever know? How would anyone ever track this? Not family, not family, not his agent, not his manager, not his coach, just his buddy who he grew up with. Like, I, I can call some of my friends like that. I know him for fucking 40-something years. Hey, dude, listen, I got a bet I need you to make. It's, you know, it, it's not illegal. You won't get in trouble. If anything, I would get in trouble. I can't place it. I'm taking a dive on, on Saturday night. I need this money. 
let's go back a little bit. William Knight talked about financial problems prior to this fight, having issues, money, money issues, not being able to afford some basic stuff. He's been in the UFC now for a little bit. Could he have seen this opportunity as at least he's going to maybe get cut and whatever, but a final payday. Now he risks his UFC contract by doing this. Like he risks his chance in the UFC, but he's probably like, listen, hell with it. I get one more payday. More about his conversations before the fight. He talked about just working for Amazon. Just low key, that's it. I'm done fighting. The pressure, instability. I need money. I need a job. Any consistent revenue. Any healthcare. He may just said, "Listen, I threw this fight. I did it the right way. I get a big ass payday, right? Put a down payment, a new house, start my new life. I'm never fighting again." If you've watched William Knight fight the last few years, this guy's not like about that life. He's not trying to fight with people. You know, he's not that guy. He's a nice dude. William Knight, Sir Knight. Well, Sir Knight, not stupid. Learning from James Krause, said, listen, this man, James Krause, got the right idea. You can go in these fights. You can set it up a certain way where you can win while you're losing. Or losing's not always losing. There's always a, sort of a other way of winning. Instead of saying, I can win the fight, I'm going to on that. I can assure you, I'm just not going to get knocked out. I'm going to back up for all three rounds. I'm going to circle. I'll make a few faces at Proch now, like, like I care. But ultimately, I don't care. I don't care. This entertainment is the business of entertainment. It's almost like WWF wrestling entertainment, entertainment, right? These are real people, though, making a living out there. And their lives, their, their income depends on what the fuck's going on out there. I think William Knight said, I'm going to take this all into my own hands. I'm going to lose this fight. And the line was great for him to do it because if he was like a big favorite, maybe he gets a little bit more plus money, you know, be a little more suspicious, but he was equal money, even money. Does the Nevada commission, do they look at this fight and like, does it come across their radar? Like, oh, that was a weird fight because of the way the guy fought, not because of line movement, because no line movement was suspected up to now that says, oh, people saw... Late, late last minute injury, whatever. No, none of that. Could there have been something else though? And could they investigate it? Could they just simply interview William Knight? Like, listen, you threw two significant strikes almost, you know, with a minute to go in round one. Why did you only throw two, two strikes? What, what, what was your strategy to, to win there? I'm going to be William Knight now. Well, you see, I was, you know, I was trying to just like, you know, measure distance a little bit, you know, measure distance and, See, we know, trying to measure my opponent. Okay, well, Mr. Knight, well, then in round number two, when you had only thrown like two strikes in round number one, um, you know, it seems like you kind of were doing the same thing in round number two. What, what was that? Well, you see, he kicked my leg. My leg, my, my leg was hurting. And uh, and then my, you know, my leg was hurting so much. And then I reached down my leg, you know, I just was like my leg, my leg, a little bit, my leg. That's, you know. Well, Mr. Knight, when we saw you in round number one, Mr. Knight, you, you kind of were sort of giving him faces like, oh, you know, that didn't hurt me. You know, seemed like the legs weren't bothering you, but you weren't really returning any fire. So when did the legs start hurting you? Well, he kind of kicked me, kicked me leg, man. My leg, my leg, my leg. Yeah, William Knight threw that fight. Okay. William Knight threw the fight. There is no question because you see, I don't need a conversation between him and someone else to corroborate what I'm saying. The visual evidence strongly supports what I'm saying which is that he did not fight on purpose. 
and he was motivated not to fight for some reason. This man's broke. He talked about it, has had problems recently with money. <laughs> He's talking about plan B. It's like the fighters who say, I'm going to retire in this fight, like the Ruas and stuff like that. I'm going to retire as my last fight. You know, Fedor, Milenko, like we, we, there's some nostalgia. Like, oh, it's their last fight, man. You never know. Like, no, well, we kind of know what's going to happen. This is his last fight on the car. This was his last fight in his contract. He's been talking about moving on with his life and doing something else. Talk about having money problems. This was a complete solution to a lot of that shit. <laughs> One-stop shop. Fix the fight. Go to the distance. Let Prashnyal win. He walks away. My leg, my leg, my leg, my leg. Does a few interviews. Saves face. Pretends like, no, I was, I was trying to fight him. I couldn't get the distance down. William Knight never was trying to fight that fight. Never was trying to fight that fight. At no point was William Knight trying to fight. At no point. And I'll I'll go to my damn grave saying that in this fight right here, William Knight was not trying to fight. He's got wrestling in his background. He's got uh, a hell of a punch that if he lands, he's going to knock somebody's head off. That's what we were betting on. Instead, he comes out here and does three rounds of nothing. One and a half rounds of my leg, coach, my leg. <laughs> yeah, MPTV talking about William Knight, dude. Oh, my gosh. MPTV writes in here, I knew you were talking about William Knight before I heard you say any names. Worse than Nami Yunus versus Sparza. Dude, oof. it's in that same category. Um. It's in the same vein, definitely. I'm glad you mentioned that. MPTV also writes in, William Knight through the fight for sure. I wonder how much money he made. You know what? Man, I guess he's has done this before too. Listen, man, I, that fight, okay, that fight MPTV, go back and watch it. I'll tell you that. Go back and watch it. And We watched it in real time. We all watched it in real time. You go back and watch that back, dude. That fight was fixed, completely fixed. Now, when I say fixed, I'm not sure how much Prachnia knew. William Knight for sure was in on the take. No question. No question. And who knows? Maybe we find out in a few years. Maybe it comes out. I don't know. Maybe you know something comes out, some evidence that, I don't know. Things have come out before. I will say that I think that with all the recent hubbub around Mr. James Krause, who that investigation is, is where? Um, I'm still waiting for like a real, real update on that. That investigation is just sort of like in the abyss. You take the two ways. You can take it as well. The investigation is taking so long because there's so much information against Krause, or it's taking so long because they can't find enough evidence against Krause. I would be looking at William Knight. I'm not trying to rain in this man's parade. He's what you got to do. But look at his bank accounts. Look for some deposits because I don't understand how the lot. I mean, look, this is just common sense. If that's your last fight in the UFC, there's no way you're fighting like that. Okay. Unless you want to get cut. And then that, what I, you know, I, I don't understand the business of that. If you just want to fight anymore, you can just retire. <laughs> so I don't, you, know, you know what I mean? 
Yeah, MPTV suggested maybe he's done it before. I'd have to go back and look at other fights, but that pff, job was in there. Anyway, that's UFC Vegas 69. I think we walk away with you know tons of excitement for Blanchfield. Now she gets to this conversation of fighting Shevchenko, and you know I, I think that might be too soon. This was not too soon for her. I thought this was perfect timing. Shevchenko might be a little bit too much right now. So I think she, you know, maybe take another opponent or two before she crosses that bridge. Um, PFL Challenger Series was on Friday night. We talked about that on whatever. The other day I talked about that. But that ends up being the, what was that? I'm trying to look it up. I can't remember off the top of my head. The PFL Challenger Series was on Friday night. It was down in Orlando. For those who follow Challenger Series, it's just four fights. Not much action. Elvin Espinosa won in the main event. Manel Sosa won in the co-main event. Anthony Romero won. And Charlie Decca won. Decca was a slight favorite, so he won. Romero was a pretty big favorite. He won. Sosa won as a pretty big favorite. Main event was a pick em. We liked Demir, so we had that one wrong in the main event. Espinosa not only wins, though, he also gets the contract. So good for Espinosa. And the PFL Challenger Series will resume this week. PFL number five, which will be a ladies-only edition, and that'll be for the flyweights. That'll be the, I'm sorry, yeah, women's flyweights, 125-pounders. And you're going to have some names you might recognize there. Desiree Yanez, Caitlin Neal. Caitlin Neal uh, specifically was on the Ultimate Fighter last year, and uh, along with Helen Peralta, she was also on the show. Shana Young got cut recently from UFC. So a lot of fighters you might recognize that are on that card, and it's only four fights in total. One woman, one woman will get the contract, and uh, that'll be on a Friday night coming up. For last week, uh, week number four, which we were just talking about, I don't know why I got to week number five. I just <laughs> completely skipped around that conversation. Uh, that's what's coming up. But for last week, week number four, let me go back to it. Yeah, that was Elvin, Elvin Espinosa winning in the main event, him getting the contract, and that was the lightweights. And uh, so Espinosa moves forward. We'll see him this year in the regular season. Other, other four or five guys or six guys, seven guys, whatever. We'll see them around, I guess, right? We'll see them at some point. So that was PFL number four. And then again, this week coming up will be PFL number five. If you haven't seen it already, our breakdown is out already for PFL number five. The full breakdown video is available on our YouTube channel. And the full write-up is also available via our Substack newsletter. We cover that, covered that pretty early this week. We're hoping to have our UFC Vegas 70 breakdown video and the full card uh, on Substack by Tuesday, the latest. Don't want to fall later than that. All right, so that was PFL. Now looking to a few stories I'm going to talk about, actually. Some, some stories in the world of mixed martial arts. One kind of caught my eye. Amanda Serrano leaving boxing to go back to mixed martial arts. Do you know who Serrano is? I mean, I know a little bit about her, but some boxing fans, it's a common name. She's been fighting under the Jake Paul promotion a little bit. And I thought right away, wait a second. She fought mixed martial arts years ago. She has some experience, actually. Good athlete, too. I thought to myself, well, Jake Paul knows her. Maybe he's wrangling her into the PFL and trying to do some like pay-per-view thing, whatever. Because Jake Paul is supposed to do, I think, two pay-per-view events this year in conjunction with PFL. I'm not sure how it's going to all work, but whatever. So, yeah, she's rumored now to be not leaving boxing maybe forever, but to taking a break from boxing to go fight mixed martial arts. It just makes you wonder, like, 
isn't the rumor that the guys who are leaving mixed martial arts to go boxing is because the boxing makes more money and then Serrano's under the you know Jake Paul brand a little bit? Like, why would she go to mixed martial arts unless there's going to be a bag there too? And I thought to myself, it's got to be Jake Paul related business. People don't leave boxing to go to mixed martial arts to make more money. That's not usually how this works, right? So yeah, stay tuned for hearing that Amanda Serrano, current boxing champion, is going to be like on a PFL card this year, like an undercard of a pay-per-view event. I see something like that. Liz Carmouche to defend her Bellator title in April at Bellator 294. All right, girl. See you. Carmouche. UFC veteran, now current Bellator champion, who won the belt over Velasquez, what? Initially, was like four, five, six months ago. Then they had a rematch like a month or two ago. And she won the rematch. So Carmouche set to defend her title in April. Allegations of Islam Makachev cheating in Australia. Claims that are coming out of the Volkanovski camp. What do you think about this? Is this sore losers? They have a gripe. I've heard good points, talking points on both sides. I even heard a talking point that the Volkanovski camp doesn't want to release the evidence because they don't want it to be a tainted loss because then it'll take longer for a rematch. And just, like, that's, can't have it both ways. Volkanovski camp can't not want it to be a top, positive test and at the same time be saying they have information that suggests he cheated. It's one or the other. <laughs> they can't be both. So either they want him to get caught positive test and you know whatever that means strip him of the belt whether they don't there's a lot of chatter there's no evidence a lot of tweeting not a lot of concrete information i'm going to guess if i can guess with you guys right now that this is just a lot of post-fight posturing we have ourselves a situation where you know one fighter has has lost in front of his countrymen i think we're seeing a lot of people that are Loyal to him, right? Loyal to the brand, defending him. Like, hey, man, he, he he didn't lose fair and square. This guy cheated. Russian cheaters. I will say there is a documented history of Russian athletes playing the edge of fairness when it comes to the enhancements. And we saw that in the Olympics play out, right? The figure skater. That was a hot mess. We saw it with a tennis player a few years ago, Sharapova. We saw it with... Uh, yeah, you got locked out of Twitter. How can that be? How can that be? That's that's impossible, Aunt Annie. Aunt Annie writes in here. I got locked out of Twitter. That is, then Twitter should be locked out itself. That is blasphemy. How dare they block you, sweet person like yourself? So allegations that Islam cheated. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to stick a claim on either side of the fence here. I'm going to just give you my few thoughts. The IV thing is hotly debated. Some say, whatever, you're just hydrating. Some say, you're enhancing maybe the washing out of, of stuff in your system to be, you know, piss a clean test. A lot of theories here. Uh, I've been tested as a former athlete for a variety of different things. I never used IVs as part of my protocol, but I wasn't a mixed martial artist. I was in a different sport. Weight cutting wasn't necessarily our thing in the sport I was playing. But all that said, um, 
if he were to take IV, some are saying that, well, that's only just for rehydration purposes. If that's the case, I guess whatever. Like, I don't know. You know, is it that big of a deal? Then there's like the stone cold hardcore MA traditionalist who's like, that's, that is illegal. And it's illegal to take the IV. You cannot do it. And then there's the thinking of like, well, why is he taking the IV? Is it beyond the, the hydration? Is it because he trying to mask some you know drugs or whatever is he on something and in theories that he flew somebody yeah you know just you know a lot of stuff going on and where there's smoke sometimes it's just you fire right i'm gonna take the thought process because it seems like based upon the the emotions driven behind the claims this is all just a lot of you know uh knee-jerk emotional reaction from the volkanowski camp as a way to deflect from the reality that this fight was a 3-2 win for Vulcan, for, I'm sorry, for slip, for Islam. I saw it that way in real time. I saw it that way in the replay. I still concede, though, that if we were to give the fight to Volkanovski, these are the terms you would give it to him under. It's in Australia. He finished the fight much better, much stronger. If the fight went longer, he probably wins. He did more damage. Give him the fight. No one was going to be upset about that. No one has said, oh, Volkanovsky got the fight because he cheated or or Islam should have got. No, no one has said that. But every judge gave it to Islam. And it leaves us with the, okay. <laughs> so Australian fans are like, well, you know what? Since we couldn't win in the scorecards, he cheated. Damn boy, he cheated. I don't know. For those that are here, let me know what you think. Do you think that Islam Makachev cheated? Do you think Volkanovsky's camp is just being sour grapes? <laughs> You know, so on Annie writes, and I ended up my B day, which is my B day today. Oh, happy birthday, on Annie! I accidentally put the wrong year. Basically, fat fingered it. It said born February nineteenth, two thousand thirteen. It locked my account because I was underage. Oh my goodness! So that is hilarious. Aunt Annie is uh, telling us that she's trying to. She went to edit her Twitter account. And she went and put in her 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 birthday just to whatever edit update it, and she mistakenly put you know this year as in like not being of age instead of being the right or whatever, or she put in whatever 2013 instead of the right year and it locked her out. <laughs> Hold it up for Twitter. Jeez, Aunt Annie, that is crazy. Okay, so all right now. It's hilarious, Andy. So according to Aunt Andy, she's saying here he did not cheat at all. I, I yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think he's at a point in his career where I don't think that would be part of the, you know, the res or the recipe, right? He's young. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, Aunt Andy. That's hilarious. You got you got to tell that story to a few other people. You got to tell that to the uh, MMA holes when you go back on the next show. Just tell them that story. That is absolutely bonkers. And a lesson for everyone, if you're going to go update your social media stuff, very careful when it comes down to selecting your birthday stuff because you might fuck around and get locked out. Might mess around and get locked out. Jeez. Funniest thing that we saw from the sports weekend on any, it's perfect timing. You have arrived at the perfect time. This segment, which is being brought to you by FightTube. Are you tired of scouring the web for fighter film? Don't want to pay the extra subscription fees to watch old fights? Well, FightTube's on the job. FightTube's creating a comprehensive and easy-to-use film library 
that can be accessed from a traditional computer or mobile device. Fightube's beta version is set to launch this spring. Fightube.org, the MMA video library. So again, this segment, which is called The Funniest Things for the Last Week, has been brought to you by Fightube, and I got one for you guys. This one is really funny. I'm going to have to bring in my shared screen here to share this with you. Um, but do you guys recall when Dontel Mays fought Josh Parisian? And if you don't, it's okay. It's, it's the kind of fight that, you know, you just don't recall because some fights are just forgettable, right? <laughs> some fights are just like, ah, I can't remember that fight. I, you know, did it ever happen? It did. So Josh Parisian and uh, Dontel Mays. And I was watching this fight. Let me do something here. Give me a second here. So I'm not all like all the place. All right. So I'm watching this fight. I'm doing film study, you know. What I mean? And when you're doing film study, you watch all this kind of shit. You come across things that are just unbelievable. If if you do it film research or, or amateur capping, professional capping, whatever your, your thing is that you'd be watching film. You know this stuff. You know you go, you you find fights that are just literally craziest of circumstances. People fighting in like little gymnasiums. And I talked last week about you know someone's fighting out in a baseball field. I'm like, the fuck. <laughs> Crazy, man. So this fight came across the radar, and I it's I gotta give me a second here. It's gonna be worth every bit of what I'm gonna show you, but um, I gotta pull up the film first so that way I can go ahead and show it to you guys. But yeah, Dante Mays. Dante Mays. Yeah, he's um he's fighting coming up soon, right? Dante Mays is fighting. He's gonna be fighting uh, next weekend. And we do have him winning over Augusta Sakai. Though not a lot of confidence because Sakai is, you know, Sakai's coming off four straight losses, got knocked out of four straight fights, and yeah, not not all is well with him. Dontel Mays, man, do you do you have confidence in betting on a guy like Dontel Mays? I mean, like betting on a guy like him is like it, it should come with a warning label, you know? Like betting on Dontel Mays is not good for your health. Because he's the kind of guy where he's got potential. He's he's the better wrestler. He's he's the better athlete than Peru than um sorry, Parisian. Um then Oh gosh, what is he fighting? <laughs> Lost my train of thought. Trying to pull this damn film won't work. Yeah, who is he fighting? What's up again? Too many fighters are in my head. I can't remember it all. It's like too many things are in my head. Film is not working either, which is giving me a little bit of a hard time. So yeah, UFC Vegas 70 comes up next week. We can talk up a bit since I'm into this conversation regarding uh, Mr. Hayes. But that fight is I like this watch. Yeah, very similar situation. We're not going to see. It's just not going to be exciting. Uh, that's all I can tell you. You know, in the in the case of Dante Mays, the main card again. But he's the main card. Last heavyweights. Like he's not going to look very good. Um, I'm looking at a film of him fighting Josh Parisian, and like <laughs> he's in a dominant position on top of 
Parisian. He goes for an ankle heel hook. Where I just like, oh my god. I love me some UFC, right? And so do you. We all love it, right? But man, because of the you know journey to basically becoming the world dominant power in mixed martial arts and having you know roads to UFC and all these different things, um, they've saturated themselves to the point where yeah they're 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 limited right they're limited in terms of what what they what they can offer for every card right so i found it (laughs) can't wait to show this to you guys for those who are on our podcast i'm going to try to describe to you what we're looking at um but i'm gonna i'll play the film for the people that are here right here i'll i'll show you this is dantel mays versus Josh Parisian at the end of round two of their fight a year or so ago. And Mr. Dontel Mays decides he's in a position where he's got more or less his his manhood uh pretty much on Josh Parisian's face. Okay, he's doing the best version of a teabag maneuver while in the octagon. He decides to take it a step further though and to to up the game. Let me go ahead and play this video. Aunt Annie, if you can see this, hilarious. And so now size up his game by incorporating some hip thrusts. Now hip thrusting four or five good hip thrusts down onto the head. Uh, those here on his work there by Dante Mace. He says, you know what? I'm here. I can't use my hands. I can use my caulk. I'm going to use my caulk to go ahead and slam down on the face of Josh Parisian. And now I Think you referee comes over. It's Herb Dean. Herb Dean's like, listen, dude. I really uh um have people basically trying to hit each other in the face with their cocks. And so we're gonna need you to stop doing that. <laughs> Josh Parisian versus Dante Mays. Yes, that fight. Look it up. It's free online. And you'll see Dante Mays doing hip strikes. Basically thrusting his hips into Don, to Josh Parisian's face. You lose a fight. That's one thing. Lose a fight that way. Ouch. 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 Yeah, I'm with you on Annie. The more MMA, the better. Even if it's low level, I I I totally agree. You know, like last weekend, people were, oh, it's a low level card. I'm still gonna probably wager just as much. I'll, I'll find my spots. I do, though, full disclosure, I told everyone earlier, I did fall asleep in the coming uh, event. So, you know, maybe it wasn't that entertaining, right? Maybe it wasn't that entertaining. Tommy Unders. What's up, Tommy Unders? He writes in here, Skatizi opening as underdog was insane. I hope you got in on that. You know, I didn't look at the Bellator card closely enough yet. I'm going to. Um, that's what I think you're referring to, right, Tommy? I believe Skatizi's on the Bellator card. The Italian young man. I'll look that up real quick. Yeah, this week's going to be rough, man. This Well, not rough. Rough good. It's going to be a little hectic because you got Bellator, KSW. You got PFL. PFL we've already finished up with, so we're done with that. One night, seven. That's also on Friday. It's a busy week for mixed martial arts. If you like mixed martial arts, even if it's not just betting, just want to watch. I mean, you got PFL on Friday. Bellator at 8, 11.30 in the morning on, on Saturday's Bellator. That's Bellator 291. Then KSW at 1 o'clock on Saturday. 
I love KSW. I'm an, I'm in a man. I I miss KSW because I'll tell you about that in a second. Let me just get through this here. So UFC Fight Night and yeah, so Skatizi. Look at him up right now. He is on the there he is. Yes, yeah, Katizi versus Dimitri Hartsenko. So the Hartsenko guy, have you seen any film on him, Tommy? If you have, let me know what you're thinking. Um Well, okay. Tommy's got a play there. He says Katizi's the guy. So Skatizi at 12 and 6, the Italian fighter versus the Ukrainian Dimitri Hertzenko. I believe is how you may say that. Or Hirosenko. I don't know. But Hirosenko is 7 and 0 undefeated. So probably people will be betting on him just because of the undefeated record and being Ukrainian, whatever. But you're telling us right now it's Katizi's spot. All right. <laughs> yes, the hip thrusting is the new way to KO your opponent. <laughs> Yes, I agree on Annie. Yeah, I love that clip. I forgot that existed. And then when I was watching, like I said, film of Dontel Mays for upcoming card, I came across that. I, I ran and told my wife, I'm like, honey, you got to see this shit. You got to see what this motherfucker is doing. Creative. I like how her herb Dean was like not sure at first. He loved the first like two or three hit thrusts. And then he was like, yeah, I don't think you could do that, dude. Not allowed. So yeah, this week's going to be busy with you know bellator ufc pfl a lot of events uh we're probably going to cover maybe just a few fights in the bellator card maybe the main event only for a prediction video because it's just tough once we get like two cards in one week that's hard three cards we end up being way behind things come out late no i don't want to do that i don't want to do that some showtime boxing this weekend and then, of course, Paul, Jake Paul fights Thomas Fury. That is this coming weekend, believe it or not. I admit, I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's going to be on Sunday at 12 o'clock, though. So, like, they, they look, that's smart, number one. Just don't do the same time at, as UFC. Don't even do the same day. So, Paul versus Fury will be at 12 o'clock p.m. on Sunday. Where are they fighting at, by the way? Are they fighting someplace far away? They're fighting in Saudi Arabia. Wow, you're Jake Paul, dude. This guy's just making moves, right? So Jake Paul fights my man Thomas Fury on Saturday, 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on, on ESPN Plus is the prelims. Never heard any of these people in the prelims. Main card's going to be on the pay-per-viewer, and Jake Paul will win the fight. If you're going to bet the fight, guys, do yourself a favor, bet on Jake Paul. I've learned that lesson already. Jake Paul, Jake Paul, Jake Paul. Matter of fact, I'm going to look at my 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 lines tonight on DraftKings. Bet on Jake Paul. Bet on Jake Paul. Bet on Jake Paul. Do yourself a favor. Bet on Jake Paul. You heard it here first. So that's coming up this week. Very interesting. And of course, and according to Tommy Unders, he's saying Skatizi is the way to go. He got Skatizi at like a plus 160-ish range. And now he's sitting at minus 220. Wow. The cat's up the bag, dude. I didn't get out on that, Tommy. Damn, Tommy. I need to get your advice earlier on in the week. I did. I did, dude. So I'm going to talk about it for a second, Tommy. Thank you for bringing it up. I am a, I love me some KSW. And I'm going to pack myself a fresh pipe here since uh, we're in the wee hours in the morning. We're sitting here at 1.29 a.m. This is episode six of Midnight MMA. Still trying to gather ourselves a consistent audience. But for those who've been coming through, we appreciate you. Now, this is your recap 
for the week that was in mixed martial arts, we go over our full bet tip sheet like we did for UFC Vegas 69, for better or for worse. Take a glance at the week ahead, what's going on. Discuss some top stories. We talked a little bit about Amanda Serrano moving over to mixed martial arts again. William Knight throwing that fight. <laughs> William Knight should be investigated. Investigate William Knight. Like when the politicians get into shit and the people investigate that person. Check their emails. Bank accounts. Look for look for cash laying around. Look for William Knight riding around in a brand new car today. William Knight just bought himself a Rolls Royce or something like that. Check that man's wallets. <laughs> you know what I mean? So KSW, I'm going to give KSW a gigantic shout out right now. And if you don't know about KSW, you're going to find out a little bit about it right now. Give me one second here. Let me see if I can find out. Can I find a promo of KSW to, 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 to play for you guys? Because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of KSW. I wish, I wish. Two things I wish about KSW. Number one, I wish they offered lines um, in the States, like on DraftKings and, and FanDuel. They don't offer you lines for KSW. And I get it. I get it. You know, I mean, I, you can't offer everything, right? But I like me some KSW. The atmosphere is it's freaking awesome. Um, maybe my most favorite thing is the guy who announces the fights in the middle of Octagon. He's like an Italian mobster type of. I mean, I I've tried to explain to people how cool he does with his, you know, um, his introductions, but it's just it's it's hard to explain. Yeah, KSW is dope. I feel like KSW is it's in Poland. Just so you guys know, it's a Polish based promotion. So like, if you're in Poland, you know about it. Still trying to find some kind of video to show you guys. They have a lot of fighters who've been through KSW that have also uh, made their way to UFC and vice versa. That's one of the first reasons why I got into it. I, I saw fighters fighting over there. I'm like, oh, they're, they're also from the UFC and vice versa. I'm like, okay. And, um, okay, here's like a little promo video I can show you guys here. Hold on. <clears throat> so, yeah, again, KSW, I'm going to talk you through this promo while they're playing it, but KSW is a Polish-based promotion, but they have tons of good fighters over there. And I'm telling you from past experience, the one thing they do right, the one thing you just can't actually cannot question is their promotion. Like, their actual, like, the, the event itself, the lights, the stage, the audience, they do a whole big, like, walkout thing where it's like you know you 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 the leader like like told that to people before like come the guy does introductions is, is like his around his neck and his shirt he's deep voice and everything blah, blah, blah. it's 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 a whole performance and um yeah, so SW, I just love their whole style, their whole promotion. They've got a lot of good fighters, and vice versa. But the best not available, not available fan. And the biggest sin of all is you can't have your events on 
The same days as UFC. <laughs> Can't do it. Can't have your events anytime around a UFC event. No one's gonna watch. I mean, no one's gonna watch it. No one's gonna watch your 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 KSWs or you know what I mean? No one's gonna watch it. And I like KSW. I, I mean we had to make a decision around here. You know, coming into this year with so much going on and so much more content, we had to make a decision this year that we're not going to be able to cover ASW anymore and do breakdowns and do tip sheets. And it saddens me because I do like it. But until they're available in the mainstream, it doesn't appeal enough to our customer base to do, you know, uh, any kind of KSW coverage. But as you can see from what I'm showing you, these are highlights from 2021 Good cage, good presentation, you know, nice lighting, professional platform. If you don't know, but by, by now you probably do know that you can do the uh, the uh, <laughs> advertising tattoos on the body. KSW is popular for that. But, yeah, I mean, it's good fighting, good promotion. They do a great, you know, this is probably during the COVID times, like less people in there. But, yeah, they do a great job of, of hyping up the events. The announcer is dope. And just, yeah, I love it. I love it. I Yeah, it saddens me. Like I said again, and I don't know KSW being offered in the United States for like DraftKings or FanDuel. And for KSW, listen, take take some advice for a second here. Stop scheduling your freaking events on the same days as UFC events. Is that like is that is that so hard for people to understand? Stop scheduling your events the same day as UFC. Tip number one: If you have a promotion that does fighting, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. You're just never going to win like that. I'm going to take a thirty second break here. I'll be right back. When I come back, I'm going to tell you about a second promotion, a second big promotion that we're no no longer going to be covering very soon because. A lot of, uh, let's put it this way, shadiness in the promotion. And we're going to be cutting them out of our coverage here now soon because, uh, yeah, it's just not worth it and not worth it for the betters, which I'll explain to you why. We'll be back with information here in just a moment. While I'm doing that, I don't want to leave you silent, so I'll give you guys some tunes, just a little bit of tunes, just a little background noise. I'll be right back. All right, all right. I'm back with you guys. Okay, so <clears throat> what promotion have we been covering that I'm probably not going to be covering anymore? Yeah, you can probably guess it. PFL. Have you noticed the PFL has not been available for wagering? New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania the last month? Well, I have. And I think it's specifically because of the James Krause situation and the PFL situation last year. For those who recall last year, PFL got their hand caught in the cookie jar, pre-recorded event, 
playing it off as a live event, having pre-taped the week before. News came out last minute. Yeah, DraftKings and FanDuel, everyone was offering lines in the event on a Friday night like it was live, but it happened the week before. Super shady. End result is PFL, you know, a little investigation, a little smack of the wrist, a little bap bap, a little, a little bap, bap here, a little bap bap there. Boom, investigation's over. PFL continues. PFL gets a big-ass contract with ESPN. And yeah, James Krause's investigation is still going on. See what I mean? The James Krause thing... I, I, I'll never know the truth, but it just it it stinks. It stinks. PFL, what they went through last year, what they did, what they tried to pull off, and the books too, <laughs> way bigger than James Krause. They figured that shit out right away. PFL kept moving. ESPN came in, gave him a parachute, fallback. Everyone moves on. But I'll never forget, and I notice it becomes part of their business practice to ride the line Challenger Series this year has been, for lack of better words, hokey. You got four fights on the card. Only one person gets a contract. Okay, we know the parameters. Now, we had several weeks where you had a fighter who had a decision win get a contract over someone who had a finish. <laughs> Made no effing sense. You had Ray Seffo, the president of the PFL, come out and be the tiebreaker for several situations where they had the fan vote was equal to the celebrity vote. He had to break the tie, and he would give an explanation like, oh, you know, it's hard to make this decision, but we feel this other fighter, this one here, would have a better chance in the division this year. Mind you, that fighter had a decision win. Other one maybe got to finish. That was a little hard to watch. But not offering lines on a mixed martial arts event that's in the United States, in Orlando, Florida, pretty popular, ESPN partner. I mean, you could bet today on the XFL. First weekend of the XFL. It's it's it's, it's back. You could bet in those two games. You could bet in those games. All-star game, NBA. It's, it's basically just a celebrity basketball game. People having fun. You could bet on it. Can't bet on PFL. Why is that? Uh, you know why? Because you see, the PFL has kind of worn out their stay now with the books. The books are kind of now are onto them, and they realize that this product is not really on the up and up. Specifically, Challenger Series, where you're seeing matchups where you have a, a clear favorite versus a not clear so favorite. We've been pretty accurate. Like last weekend, or last week, last Friday, we had the Espinosa fight wrong, but that was a pick em. The other three we got correct, and most weeks we've been getting three out of four, if not all four correct. It's not really hard to find out who they want to win. They're bringing in like former UFC fighters versus can. So what the PFL is doing, like they're front-loading their roster with a lot of Bellator, PF, former UFC guys or, or gals, that's their market. They're trying to piggyback or whatever they can from those promotions that are bigger than them. But they're not offering a very good overall competitive you know, product. And so I think the books in, in response are saying, we'd rather not offer your sport, not your sport, but you, because the mixed martial arts sports available, but like you in particular. Now, if you have DraftKings, you know that DraftKings does not offer a lot of mixed martial arts. It's pretty much UFC and that's it. Bellator, yeah. 
Bellator close to the events, yeah. Uh, one championship, like a day or two before one championship, does their Friday night events with with, with um, Amazon to offer them. But PFL, no, no PFL at all recently, and so this to me is is a clear indication that we should take a step back from it. So we are going to do that. We have PFL Challenger Series with a few more weeks to go. We're going to be covering that over the next few weeks. We've done some live watch parties and pre-fight shows, which we may be cutting that out coming up in the next week or two because, again, uh, it's nothing against our audience per se because some people in our audience have asked for it. But the reality is if we can't wager on it, we can't get action on it, it just sort of becomes outside of our scope. And for the same reasons we don't do KSW, we may have to also withhold from doing PFL because it's just not our scope. Now, if you're in a state where you can bet on PFL, holler at me. Let me know because it is state by state. Different states have different parameters, regulations of what they can or won't or won't withstand. But living in the Northeast, you know, I'm in the New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania area. I'm in all three areas at some point, not all at the same time. You get the point. Like I work in New York and travel through New Jersey, whatever. But the idea that not being available up here is to me strongly suggests there's something going on. There's something, you know, uh, not on the up and up. I even thought to myself recently during one of their Challenger Series events, I thought to myself, is any of this potentially pre-taped? You know what I mean? Is any of that potentially pre-taped? Because if it was, it wouldn't be a big deal because they're not they're not they're not being offered lines where I'm at. So, you know, you can't give them a penalty for that, right? <laughs> but like for example, they don't show you the like I don't get this. They have a weigh-in and a face-off the day before, but they don't stream it. Like I don't know why they don't stream it. They just it's so easy. Just stream that on your YouTube channel. Like they don't stream it. They'll give you like short clips of it, like 15 second clips of people doing a weigh in and step off the scale or a face off. But you can't find like a full live stream of it. And then when you do, it's usually days later, like not days later, it's usually like the day after the event, you'll find a stream. And I'm like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> it's the day before the event, they have the weigh in, the face off. That should be a promoted activity. I think it's pretty, pretty easy to understand. With PFL, they don't really do that so much. Lots of questions. I mean, I have lots of questions. They uh, they had a girl miss weight two weeks ago. She still fought fine. But then they had her go into the cage afterwards when she won by submission and be considered as a finalist to, to win the, the contract. I'm like, how? That happened again this past weekend for the men. Who was it? Uh, yeah, Demir. We like Demir to win, but we probably should have known that was not a good idea when he missed weight. Demir... Miss weight, he still fought against Elman Espinoza. He still lost in round number two by rear naked choke. And yet somehow he was being considered for a contract. Doesn't make any damn sense. I've talked about PFL way too long, but yeah, for the PFL lovers out there, we are going to be pulling back on our PFL coverage. It's just simply the juice is not worth the squeeze, as they say. But uh, we might return to it. If things clean up a little bit and they get their act together, it might be something we'll get back to. So yeah, we'll have a, a few more things we'll be covering there for PFL, a few of the Challenger Series stuff. But then after that, I don't know how much more we'll be doing. Yeah. We are two weeks away from UFC 285. John Jones versus Rogan. It is nice to say that. Two weeks. This is the leftovers of the, you know, apocalypse of Ngannou and the UFC not coming to terms. Still something that's 
and left a, a void in the world of mixed martial arts. It's now being filled by these two, and they are good athletes, so the, the void is being filled. But the void was created the moment that he said, I'm going to pursue some other options, and the UFC stood their ground and said, we're going to let you do that, and we're not going to bend on what we can and can't do. And one thing I said before, I want to triple down on this. The reason that Cyril Ghosn said that in part that he walked away was the request for health care, not for just him, but for all the athletes in the roster. He said that their response for when he asked about health care was they told him he can afford it. And in that case, he said, that's fine. I can't afford it, but I'm asking about health care across the board for everybody because when I, there, was, there was a time when I guess he couldn't afford it. He doesn't want athletes to be in that situation. And UFC just simply said they can't do it. And that was a sticking point for Ninganu. That was a, yeah, that, that was, uh, I don't want to say the, the straw that broke his back, but it was a it was a big enough deal that he brought it up in interviews. Right? He mentioned it. Real quick comment here. Tommy writes in, gambling is sometimes more about who you know, what you know. Gambling always, gambling always has and always will have corruption. Yeah, no, there's no question. Um, no, no question at all. There's definitely dark corners of the gambling world and there's things that people get find that people find out stuff there's tips insider trading maneuvers happening every moment of every day i know way too much of, i should say no too much i hear way too much about it because i have my ear to the ground and when it happens i'm like oh like what was it 2021 or something like that there was the the moscow table tennis league table tennis like and I know only because I would I dabbled on little table tennis betting, especially during the COVID time when you couldn't bet on nothing. But that was one of the few sports that came back. And it was like a whole a whole to do. It was a whole racket going on over there where they were like fixing fights, or not fights, fixing table tennis matches, and then point hey, listen, outside my realm of understanding, but it was happening. And uh, yeah, so you get you go, you know you, you look hard enough, dude. You're gonna find fixing at almost every level, right? Corruption somewhere. Tommy writes in MMA is the new horse racing. Yeah, dude. Oh man, we talked earlier, Tommy, about William Knight and what happened with whatever what he was doing yesterday. I'm not really sure what you can call that, but it was a lack of fighting. It was clear that he was on the take. It's hard to know what all the parameters were of that. You know, was he approached by somebody else? And, and you know, was that the angle? Did he on his own decide, I'm going to cash it in the spot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give everything I've got financially into this one spot to lose this fight and, and leave the UFC. It's my, last it's my last fight in the contract. You know, <coughs> I think that fight was fixed. Plain point blank. You know, oh, Andy writes in here, fighters missing weight is not good at all. I mean, it all, it all, it is all fighters job to make weight. I mean, in a real job, if you show up late more than once, you'll be fired. It's true. So like, yeah, that's a good comparison. Missing weight is like showing up late for your job. It's exactly what, that's a great comparison. I'm not saying it's any easier. It's probably easier to show up for your job on time than it is to cut weight. I, I'm not <laughs> comparing the two. I think the violation though is similar. It's like if you're late once or twice to your job, like, okay, we understand. And you're 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 on time the rest of the time, you're okay. With missing weight, it's like that. You're late once or twice, we can, you know, but then you do it again and again, 
Like Sajara Eubanks, and we're going to just, you know, we're letting you go. Like Sajara Eubanks, we did an interview with her recently. I still have to publish that interview. We're putting it up maybe sometime this week. But she talked about it at the end. She's like, I, I didn't give a shit. I wanted to be let go. And she knew the fastest way to do that was just to miss weight again. <laughs> she did. You know, that's, you know, it's pretty simple. Which makes you think if William Knight wanted out of his UFC contract, and so he fought like that on purpose to be out of his contract, it, it doesn't make sense. He could have fought really well and won the fight and still got out of his contract because it was his last fight in his contract. He could have just walked away. He wasn't a champion. If he was champion, there's an extension that kind of rolls over right away. But him not being a champion, if he had just won the fight and decided, I want to just walk away from either mixed martial arts or walk away and go to another promotion, he could have done that. He didn't have to lose the way he did. So it makes no sense for him, last fight this contract, to fight that way unless it benefited him. And I think it did. I think it did. Just my thinking. I could be the minority. On any rights in night, just did not look good. Did not look the same how he was acting to. Yeah, it was weird. He was like doing these facial things. Like I don't, I don't like that. I'm not. I, I, I shouldn't say I don't like that. I'm a little pissed at him because you know his performance was irritating. That's the best way to put it. Irritating performance, but. Making gestures and like, ooh, whatever, like, and someone's kicking you or punching you, and you're like, oh, that didn't hurt. It's like, well, then punch him back, then do something. Doing nothing and just making faces, it was like, what, dude, what are you doing? He did it for the whole fight. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the truth, Tommy. That, yeah, I think it's probably easier to show up to work on time than it is to make weight. But for the sake of, I think this comparison for the you know everyday people, I think it's a good comparison. Like you can miss once or twice, you know, you could be late once or twice. We could we could we could overlook this as a promotion. We're not overlooking. We could we could forgive you. We could do better in the future. You know? Question here from Choi Bay. Choi Bay in the house. What up, Choi Bay? Do the Lineker Andrage do the Lineker Andrage prediction? Hmm. I'm not sure what you mean there. Do the Lineker Andrade prediction. I'm confused. Write that out better there for me, Choi Bay, so I understand what you're saying. Or someone else, if you could just transcribe what he's what was he saying there. Auntie Ann writes in, Knight, I heard, was getting death threats after the fight. Damn. Wow. We'll see. Look, I talked about it earlier. He... He talked about being financially in a tough situation, pre-fight, looking to like take a job with Amazon, a warehouse job, and just settle down, keep life simple. He, you know, healthcare. He needs simple, you know, revenue. And, I mean, not revenue. He needs consistent income. And here's his last fight. It was weird, really weird. Oh, okay, Troy Bay. Okay. So Troy asking about Lineker Andrade prediction for one. Oh, dude. Ooh. I'm going to take a little peek because one's another one that, speaking of one, one, one is, is a promotion that we've covered a little bit in the past. I do like it. I'm, I'm a fan. I think, they, again, like the way they do their whole event, just the, you know, the, the lights, the, you know, the ring girls, just everything. It's, you know, it's got a different feel from us. But it's super exciting. The concert. So Lineker versus Andrade is second. 
I'm looking at the entire fight card right now. I don't even want it. They don't have it in order. Yeah, this is going to be good. It's for the featherweight championship out, right? You know, now you got my interest in this fight. I hadn't even looked at it. I kind of forgot that they were fighting again. Wow. I mean, I think right off the bat, I'm I'm going to lean to... Um, To, uh, to Andrade. I just think, you know, him being younger and making these bigger improvements, I, yeah, I, I like his potential. I think at 25, he's got you know, still a lot of growing to do. What I don't remember, though, offhand, I'll be honest with you, is they fought before. There was a no contest because of a groin strike, right? And how did that fight go? I can't remember offhand. Because they fought enough that you could see like what how it was going. It was round two. Three and a half minutes in round number two is when I'm sorry, round three is when it happened. Okay, so you're saying Trey Bay he turned Lineker into a wrestler. I mean, and I think the thing is with Andrade, he's good at striking, right? He's got good, the good knees, like a tie Muay Thai type of style. I have to watch film. I have to watch film on both of them and do a breakdown to get a real good strong feel. But I'm gonna lean Andrade. Lineker's the one who's got the what UFC background, right? He's been around the block. Yeah, he fought the UFC for years. Actually left the UFC in 2019 with a split decision loss to Corey Sanhagen. Before that, beat Brian Kelleher. Beat Marlon Vera, 2017. Wow. Jeez. Had some nice wins there. Beat Rob Font. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, what is the line for that fight? Let me see if I can find it for Yo, what's up, Guru? How are you, dude? What's up, homie? Thank you. Welcome to the channel. Welcome. We do this every Sunday night. It's a recap of the week that was in mixed martial arts. So we already talked earlier about UFC, Vegas uh, 69, PFL, some top stories in the sports. Usually we have a few guests coming through. Tonight we didn't have any guests. And our guests comprise of, you know, fighters, managers, agents, and so on and so on. Tonight we are guest-free, just going over the week that was, talking about the week ahead. And we're out now, now talking about specifically one championships, which they have an event coming up this Friday. I'm looking for their lines to see if they're available. Here. Hold on. CKSW. Hmm, maybe they don't have the lines up yet. Hmm. Trying to look for the lines. I don't see. Whoa. Yeah, the, the lines are not up there for one. That's weird. Should be up already. Let's take this a look. Choi has 1.5 for Andrade. I don't. I just don't see it available Andrade, for Choi. I didn't see it yet. I looked around, but I just didn't see it. <clears throat> Choi Bay writes in here. Lineker is an anomaly. His style prediction. His style. His style is predictable. Swing, swings, swings mid windmills, and he was able to make a living with that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a wild man. He's a wild man. So Guru the Pig, we talked about this a little bit, and I, I think I want to try to preface my statements in saying I don't know for sure, but I can tell you for sure what I saw with my own eyes. And sometimes, I'll give you an example. In the court of law, when they have witnesses that are being brought to, to sit on the stand, right, and testify, they ask them simple questions like, do you swear to tell the whole truth? They do that. They hold their hand up. They have all these different routine of activities. And then they get asked questions. They get asked a question like, did you see 
um, John Doe uh, that day, you know, grabbed the the weapon and pointed at, you know, these these victims. And the person says, yeah, that's what I saw. And they said, well, did you see them, you know, pull the trigger? Or did you, see, you know, they asked them a series of questions and the person testifies to what they saw. And that becomes now part of the evidence. And people get convicted of crimes based upon the testimony of people from what they saw. I'm telling you what I saw. What I saw? I saw William Knight purposely not trying to fight for three full rounds. Not for 45 seconds of a round. Not for part of a round when he got fatigued. Not after he tried to win a round or got tired of the process. None of this. I visually saw if I was giving testimony and I was being asked today in court, Hey, Mr. Uh, Mr. Manny G, uh, what did you see in round number one? Did it appear to you at any point that Mr. William Knight was trying to engage, win the fight, produce any offense? No, Your Honor. <laughs> Next question. Did it appear in round number two or round number three? Did anything about his demeanor change and appear as if he was trying to win the fight in any shape or form? I said no. As for his corner, did you hear his corner encouraging him to, to do something, saying things like you've got to do something? Yes. They were using all the right terminology. You've got to do, you've got to do something, dude. They were as confused as the audience. They were confused as me talking about it right now as to why he was not engaging. Now, we're saying now we were confused. Well, it's not confusing when you realize the guy was in his last fight in the UFC, decided to take this into his own hands, has plans now beyond this, and he ultimately just went out with his biggest payday possible by betting on himself to lose to Prochnow by decision. And we talked about how do you do that? How do you, you can't bet if you're a fighter. It's the rules. The fucking rules. There's always a way around a rule. Rules are meant to be broken. All he would need to do is give cash money to a handful of people or even just one person who will be his, his, uh, his shepherd to go to a handful of casinos and place the bets. They can put it under their name. Do it. Here's the cash. Get it done. Cash money. Come back. I'll see you next week. All cash. Don't put it into any big accounts right now. Don't make it obvious you have the money. Move on with your career. You're done. I believe wholeheartedly he did that. And why? I saw I saw it. I could see it. I could see it. You can see he's not fighting. You can see his corner's frustrated. Like, why aren't you doing anything? He spent more time making like faces like, ooh, he holds. Whatever. Next thing you know, he's holding his leg. I even have a theory of the leg. I don't think his leg was that hurt. I think he was faking the leg injury. <laughs> I think he's pretending like the leg was hurting him as a way to be like, oh, no, I, I, it's my leg a little bit too. Like, stop, man. Pratchett hit him with a few decent leg kicks, but you see the size of William Knight's legs? I think, I think he was faking that too. Some comments here. Yeah, so for Guru the Pig, should William Knight be investigated by the Nevada State Athletic Commission for his performance last night? Absolutely. And I think if you're good at what you do there, and you actually really investigate, you will find out. You will find First thing, simple. Does he have any known bank accounts that you could be able to say, well, we want to see a statement? And lo and behold, find a withdrawal for like $15,000, $20,000 from one of those accounts. What was this for? It's hard to hide money now in 2023. It's not so easy. You can still do some shit old school, still have money in the briefcase and cash in a little treasure chest in your house. Usually people make money, transaction money now. Now, if he was on the take, like meaning somebody like mafia people got a hold of him and like basically said, oh, you want to work with us? 
and give us you know, a tip, my decision will cut you in. That also will end up leaking out. <laughs> It'll leak out. You know what I mean? So, yes, he should be investigated. He shouldn't be harassed. He shouldn't be annoyed. He shouldn't receive death threats. He should simply be investigated for what to me looked like one of the most egregious efforts, an embarrassing effort for a person on the last fight of their contract. Makes no sense. So Tommy writes in, Knight fought like Francis versus Derek Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Annoying. Troy B writes in here, I think Knight faked it. Yeah. So, okay, Troy, I just said this and I now I'm reading your comment. I watched it real time. He went from like, oh, nothing's hurting me. I'm fine. Kind of making some faces. Then he, you see him kind of like almost limping like pretty quickly. And then when he reaches down almost to be like, look, guys, it's right here. It's not so much right here. It's it's right here. Like he's pointing to his like, oh, it hurts me right here. Prachnia was fighting him like he was scared to get close. Like Prachnia was like, touch, touch, get away. Touch away. Little kicky, little kicky, kicky, get away. And that's what was three rounds, three rounds of that. At no point, Knight was actually trying to win the fight. It was disturbing to watch. In front of whatever limited audience was there. So they weren't booing because you don't really boo in the Apex. It's like there's only 10 people there. So if you do boo, you're that one person who's booing. And like the fighter might actually like look at you and be like, I heard you boo. I can see you, dude. I'm right here. I can hear you booing. So like there's no booing. That was boo worthy. Boo worthy. <laughs> boo worthy. And definitely not worthy of the opening fight on the main card, right? I agree with you, Choi Bay. I believe he faked that. I believe he faked it. Choi Bay also writes in here at night thought he was Tyron Woodley hanging out on the fence. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. It's just, oh my gosh, dude. Oh my goodness. Guru writes in here, why do people think Sugar Sean is the next Connor? Can you imagine a world where Sugar has the bankroll to pull up to a fight in Abu Dhabi in his 150 yacht, 150 foot yacht, or one where Connor sits around and streams Warzone? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, a lot there. A lot there, Guru. I think Sugar Sean is overachieving right now. That's the one thing he has in common with, with, with Connor because Connor is an overachiever. I mean, that with all due respect, with the guy is just, you know, look what he's accomplished. I don't imagine he ever gets to anywhere Connor's stratosphere, though. Connor's a unique character. Even his buildup in the UFC was a unique time. UFC's not going to financially hand over nearly as much control over the system as what, what Connor has. I don't think that UFC regrets giving him control. They need him. He's a cash guy. They don't need him. They like him, he's a cash cow. But the UFC can't have all like put this way, UFC can only afford so many cash cows like that. Like they'd like to have a few, but then it gets to a point where you can't afford too many, right? So for sugar, we'll see. I think he's gonna lose his next fight. I, I, I'm not buying I'm not sipping the Kool-Aid. I think he lost his last fight too. So I think he's a good fighter, a lot of talent, and he's overachieving. But I think this this train comes to a halt here soon. He'll be back to fighting as an average fighter soon and Having ups and downs and durability issues and speed of leg kicks, kick him in the leg hard enough, he'll he'll go down. So yeah, that's my take on that guru. Troy Bay writes in here: William Knight single handedly wrecked his career with that fight. He will get cut for sure. Go to Fury FC. Everyone's saying he's going to be like LFA Fury FC. Look, PFL will take him. PFL will sign him today. 
BFL is like any leftovers from UFC, we'll take them no matter how bad they are. He'll have opportunities to fight. You know, they're going to be there. That fight, though, will forever linger as what happened there, unless there's some kind of investigation with the final result or unless William Knight says, I even thought, what if he says, well, I had an injury pre-fight. I just, even if he had an injury, like what, what, what was the strategy there? Like just, just you were doing nothing, nothing to defend your injury. I don't. What was the injury? But, but your balls? Did you leave your balls in the in the, in the locker room? What was the injury? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any sense. There's almost no excuse for what he did, unless, unless, unless he had an ulterior motive to lose in that fashion, right? Yeah, I think he gets cut. I don't see how he does get cut. I think he gets cut. Tommy writes in, Prochnell did that to Roundtree too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I underestimated Prochnell in this fight. I, I did. I, it's, I'm a little annoyed by it because I... <laughs> Prochnell has that kind of face. You know what I mean? Doesn't Prochnell have that kind of face where he just looks like a... Who? Like... He's a nice dude, and he's a good fighter, but I just saw William Knight connecting on one crazy uppercut or something and just sending Prochnow to the you know, shadow realm. Didn't happen. And so Prochnow, you know, I underestimated him here. I think I also overestimated William Knight. I didn't get the memo. They wasn't a fight. I didn't get the memo. I wasn't aware. So yeah, that was rough. <laughs> it happens. It happens. <laughs> what can you do? What can you do? So yeah, Prashnell did that to Roundtree too. Yeah, he did. He did. Guru writes in here, will Darren Hill go down as having the worst consecutive UFC fight streak without losing his job? Do UFC executives fans enjoy seeing Till get smashed or does UFC believe he's a massive draw? Well, it's a good point. You can lose fights if you're... If like if you're somewhat useful to the roster, that's important, right? Look, Sam Alvey lost a ton of fights, but he still had a place on the roster. Like he still was a, a gatekeeper would be nice, but he was someone who's a body they needed, they could use. And you will find that throughout the course of the UFC roster. People they don't fight very often or have a lot of L's, but they're still on the roster. The heavyweight division is you know, <clears throat> flooded with those kind of guys. In the case of Darren Till. He does have a unique bit of lore in that he's this name. You could put him on a main card or have him as the main event of a prelim card. People still, they know his name. He trains with people that are known. Social media, you know, is good. It's a good place for him. And so, yeah, but he's, yeah, he's losing a lot and didn't look really good in his last fight. People predicted he wouldn't look good and he didn't. So I think, yeah, his, his days are numbered. We'll say that. We'll say that. Guru also writes in here, will the UFC ever get another superstar bigger than Connor or a female star bigger than Ronda? Wow, dude, good questions. I think Ronda, because of the timing, she was the first ever female UFC fighter champion. She fought the first ever UFC female fight. Those are the kind of accolades you can't replace. So she becomes like the, you know, John Wooden in basketball, the Babe Ruth in baseball. She'll have this place in MMA lore forever, forever, ever, ever. And you can't take it from her because she's the first ever. But I think we'll have a bigger female star because whatever she was, however we measure bigness, you know, on the cover of the UFC game and uh, ESPN, and you know, she she was huge. She was an ESPN body issue. She was everywhere. 
she was their top fighter at, at some point from a standpoint of like the draw. And the UFC, founded by Dana White, who had admitted in the past he never thought mixed martial arts, mixed martial arts for women would ever be even a thing. Like he's like, yeah, whatever. He learned through that experience and said, yeah, I, I learned through that. that though there's definitely a place for female mixed martial arts. So no one's ever going to be bigger than her from <clears throat> historical perspective, but probably bigger than her than fi- in a financial perspective and even from a legacy winning perspective. Because when you look back at her accomplishments and who she beat and what happened, you can easily look look now forward and say, yeah, she, you know, at the time she was the best, but we just didn't really have a sport yet, and other fighters weren't really good, and she was beating a lot of cans, and there was a bunch of hype, and then she fought like a good a good fighter like Holly Holm and got knocked the fuck out, <laughs> you know. But it's like that for like a lot of sports, like you know basketball, like the Bob Cousies and stuff, and like you know baseball, you go back to like you know guys who were. I don't know, working full-time jobs, playing baseball uh, as a side thing, as a professional athlete, fighting in the war, and like those stats, how do they compare to stats today, so on and so on. So yeah, I, I do think we're going to have a bigger female star. In terms of a bigger star than Conor McGregor, you'd think that at some point we will be, at some point. I just don't know who it's going to be because he is massive. And he has historical significance, the, the revenue that's been around him, stardom, the, the financial moves and the liquor company that he was involved with, still involved with. The commercial businesses. I mean, it's just the man's tripping over money, movies, everything. I, I don't know. The, I guess I do know. Yes, we will eventually have another star like Connor, maybe even bigger. It's going to be some time. It's not going to be a Dagestani guy who they don't they don't roll like that, right? Like Khabib, he would never roll like that. But like a bigger star in terms of like people see him and the celebrity and the yachts and the you know the tabloids. We'll have another one. Just may not be anytime soon because he's unique like that, you know. Tommy writes in here, what was Proch now by decision at plus one thousand? Yeah, probably. It's just oh my gosh, dude. Let me look it up if I had it on my tip sheet here. Proch now. No, I didn't have it on my tip sheet, so it wasn't even on my radar. But yeah, dude. Man. Proch. It was and it, and it started right away. You could see right away, like, wait a second. Tapping, just tapping from a distance. I'm like. What am I doing? We're not doing. Yeah, easy win for Prachnow. Oh, any rights in here? I am also over the fights being at the Apex Center, like having the fights in other states. Is the UFC afraid because of COVID restrictions in different states? It's not COVID related, on Annie. It's strictly uh, schedule related. Is the big one? That's the big one. I heard comments from Dana and the UFC say that. The convenience of using the Apex is more schedule-related. They, they have to book events in advance with these different organizations. You know, when you're when you're doing an event at, like, whatever, let's say Los Angeles at the Lakers basketball arena, like, it's just so booked. There's so many events. They're looking for a Saturday, certain time, you know. So for UFC, it's a scheduling issue. They have events almost every weekend. To find a venue in a different city almost every weekend it becomes very difficult. Now, it's definitely also cost prohibitive because they're traveling their staff. Um, that itself, traveling staff, traveling every, like a traveling circus, right? They limit that by having it in the apex, which in essence is like their little backyard and their little arena. Now, they don't get the purse of the of the, of the the gate like they would in a, a live event, but they more than make up for that with their TV contracts. They make more than make up for that with their, their coverage through digital media. So for the UFC, it's a matter of convenience and also a matter of the reality. Like, look at that. look at the NFL teams, right? They play 17 games a year. They play half of their home games at home. The other half, they play them away. 
it's not that bad for the schedule. The UFC has something every damn weekend, more or less. So it's it's a uh, it's convenience. But on that point, on Annie, I've talked to a few fighters recently. We've had these discussions. I spoke to Damon Jackson. Damon Jackson came through like last week for one of our our shows for PFL. We were talking. He's coming off of a loss. Good fighter though. He's in the UFC. I respect his opinion. He brought it up. I didn't even, wasn't even talking about it. He just brought it up. He's like, yeah, the Apex fighting in there, just how sterile it was. Not a good situation. Don't want to fight there anymore. So Jara Eubanks, we had a long discussion about this the other day. She got cut by the UFC, but she talked about her experience towards the end and not really wanting to be with the UFC anyway. And specifically how the Apex was just not, no, no not a good space. Requested not to fight there anymore. And UFC was like, no, you're going to have to fight there. And so fighters are they're telling them, I don't want to fight there. I mean, this fight with Aaron Blanchfield, for example, versus Jessica Andrade, good fight, good fight, entertaining fight, pretty good buildup and a pretty good promotion in a short period of time. And then when you watch the fight actually happen, you could hear a pin drop in there. There's no cheering. A few claps, a few yay every now and then. It's like, are we in a <clears throat> elementary school gymnasium? Like not even a good middle. Some, some middle schools have bigger gyms than that set up there in the apex. It looks like a glorified elementary school with some you know cool lighting in the back with a few rows of seating. It's interesting, you know. And if, if you ask Dana, Dana's like, <laughs> I don't know. Dana, Dana wouldn't give you a straight answer. We get it. COVID, it was necessary. Everyone, no one's taking anything away from you, Dana. Because he gets defensive about that. Hey, when I when COVID was around, I could have I could have done nothing. We were the first ones to come back. He brought that shit up when they asked him about smacking his wife. When they asked his man about smacking his wife, part of his response was, hey, I didn't have to come back for COVID. The reporters in the room must have been like, what's he talking about? We asked him about smacking his wife. And I'd have to come back for that. I could have, I could have, uh, I could have sat that. I think his exact words were, I could have sat that out. You know, so yeah, no, no, no. I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> so, yeah. so we get it. UFC, we get it. But the Apex, I am with you on Annie. It is a sterile environment. I think they've got to find a way out of there. I got to find a way. Or maybe make it bigger. Maybe build a little stadium there in Las Vegas, a small, like a little arena that's, I don't know, man. No bueno. No bueno. Guru the Pig writes in here, is it crazy that Dana White came out publicly and said fix fights and go to federal prison? James Krause case, but the UFC fixes fights every car now. Well, I got a lot to say about that. I'm just going to keep it short and sweet to catch up in the chat. But here's the thing. James Krause investigation, November 6th or something like that is when it started. All right. Got it. We're way now past, you know, we're in the six months now out. There's no, like, we're not getting any details. PFL last year got caught up in a pre-recorded event. There was books involved, gambling issues, gambling implications, people's money. It was resolved pretty quickly. What's taking so long? What is going on with that investigation? That, that's my first thing. Dana White, don't take his quotes for <clears throat> to uh, to heart, basically. He's very well, well known for saying one thing post, post-fight press conference, whatever. Very next day, complete different statement because he doesn't know everything, doesn't know the whole parameters, will talk out of his ass, and then come back later on and say, oh, I didn't, I didn't know. Um, he also likes to say that stuff like you go to federal prison, you you go to jail. He does that a lot, but he just it's just his way he talks, his way of being threatening. Like you will go to jail if you do that. So yeah, 
Y'all can go to jail in, in some parts of this country if you smack your wife in public. He wasn't in the United States, so he was in Mexico. So, <laughs> uh, any rights in here? So did Cowboy Cerrone. UFC kept him on the roster, even though with all those losses in a row, which killed me seeing him lose. Yeah, that was true. He's an example. If you have a name, they'll give you more time. You know, they'll give you more fights. They'll let you hang around a little bit. Seven, eight losses in a row. I mean, Connor hasn't won any fights in forever, but who cares? It's Connor McGregor. Whatever he's going to fight next, people will line up for it. Oh, and he also writes in here, plus Ronda had to defend her belt two or three times a year. Now I'd be lucky if a champion defends at least once a year. Good point on Annie. She was very active. She was a she was awesome. She's awesome. I, I still like whenever you see her around, she does the wrestling stuff a little bit every now and then now. She's kind of retired from that too, but she's great. She's a pioneer. One of the best that ever did it. Guru writes in here, I believe the UFC absolutely needs the apex for cards like last weekend where nobody would pay to see that trash live. I personally like seeing the fight to the apex for a change up and the sounds on TV. There's that side. You can hear some more of the action. You hear the pop of the of the strikes. I get it. And maybe do something like you said a few times a year. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think we can all agree on that. Just you know, less, less. Dan Goldstein, Mr. Goldstein, he's a great dude. He writes in here, the next UFC card is uglier than, than Madonna and her life choices around plastic surgery. A good evening, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, Madonna, I think if I say this the wrong way, I'm going to come off like I'm a hater, so I don't want to do that. I've been listening to Madonna's music for a long time. 80s, 90s, early 2000s, 2010s, 2020s. She'll probably be making music in the 2030s. She is a uh, one of the best that ever did it. But her plastic surgery, Dan Goldstein, recently is frightening. Frightening. <laughs> that is all I'm going to say. Frightening. And uh, I mean that with all due respect. Mm -mm -mm. Personally, me, I would rather just age. I would rather just age. So, yeah, um, next UFC card is pretty blasphemous uh taking a look at it you know you got that Krylov dude the main event and uh he's fighting right in span and you know at first at first glance you're like what that's the main event you're like whoa you got a damn event every weekend so ufc's got to put someone out there but yeah as you move down the card it gets thin you know uh a few fighters i'm interested in looking at more than others because i've been watching them fight for a while and I kind of want to look at well, to see what they're going to do, right? See what's going to work out. But yeah, it's a rough one, man. It's a rough card, Dan. Ooh, rough one. Dan also writes in here. I don't mind Damon Jackson, but Manny has a better hairline. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, <laughs> his hairline is—he's got the Stephen A. hairline, where it's like literally middle of the head, <laughs> and it just comes down the sides. You know what I mean? Like, there's no hairline. No, no. Oh, you guys are funny. Oh, any right to Yeah, but I bet the fighters missed the loud crowd. Oh, for sure. No question. They miss it. I, that's one of the first things they talk about. No, no question. No question at all. Dan writes in here, not going to lie. If it's a choice between the Apex and the Brazilian crowds getting another chance to be terrible, give me the Apex. <laughs> well, that's different, Dan. They were... Um, yeah, they got a little. They they turned into like the best version of like the Philadelphia, you know, Eagles fans. Philadelphia, I guess Philadelphia, anything sports fans, they're they're kind of known for being rough, right? 
Um, I'm all about writing this and, you know, bring up, you know, raise the heat. But yeah, you got to keep it within reason because come on now. I mean, come on. We're all people, right? Have some have some chill about you. Now is a good time to remind you guys, if you haven't done so already, there's a link down below in the video description here to subscribe to our Substack newsletter. Please do so. It's a free newsletter. You get about one or two emails per week. It goes right to your inbox with a full card breakdown for all the cards we cover. So like this week coming up, the email went out already on Sunday for PFL. So PFL Challenger Series number five, week to week five coming up, excuse me, full card breakdown along with a corresponding bet tip sheet. We'll have the full card breakdown in a written format for you, along with odds, statistics, the full tip sheet for P- for UFC Vegas 70 coming up this week. That'll come out probably on Tuesday. Again, it's free with our Substack newsletter, so please subscribe to that. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. All of our content is entirely for free, but we have a lot more content out there than you might realize. We have an Excel sheet that's up available on our Google Drive, uh, full card breakdown notes, raw notes. That's all available through our Google Drive as well. Those links, you can also find them down below. But the main thing I want you to do Please subscribe to this channel. Click the like button and subscribe to our Substack newsletter. You won't regret it. The newsletter is on point, great stuff. And we're looking now to be getting possibly some ghost writers coming in to do some ghost writing, like guest writers who are ghost writers. We'll then reveal them after they've done their writing with us to do a few of the breakdowns. But you'll love the Substack newsletter. It's great to the point, free, run run by Substack. They also have an app for your phone, very easy to use. So yeah, looking ahead to UFC Vegas 70, Selecki's on the card. He's fighting Carl D the third. I do like Selecki a lot in that spot. If you can get Selecki early on, parlay him with confidence. This Aylin Perez girl fighting Haley Cowan. I know nothing about Aylin Perez. I do want to watch film on her. I saw her do like um, a weigh-in where she started dancing on stage and doing like, uh, you know what, matter of fact, I got it for you. It's going to be on the next... Uh, Funniest thing from the sports weekend. But I came across her stuff and I thought to myself, oh, hell no. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, yeah. This is too much. This is too much. (laughs) So she fights Haley Cowan and I'm, you know, I remember Haley Cowan from Contender Series. I remember watching her fight and thinking to myself, you know, I'm not so sure that she's going to... uh, She's I dick who's uh hitting um daily count. Got a little bit My apologies. Got a little bit of interruption there from the connection. But I'm going to bring in this this video of this girl. She's fighting Haley Cowan and um, came across this film of her 
basically uh, you know, like a face-off, that kind of thing. Her name is Aylin Perez. And if you haven't seen Aylin Perez, I will welcome you to this this chickarelli. She's got quite a personality. Let's put it that way. <laughs> this is funny. This is the best of doing uh, film studying. You come across shit like this that you just you never would usually come across. You don't usually come across this kind of stuff. Here we go. Okay. It's because I'm having a terrible connection right now for some reason. <coughs> Hopefully it'll, it'll cooperate, but it's not. All right, give me a second. As as I'm going to pull it up, but this is really funny. Move this here. I just felt like, yeah, I can't back Haley Cowan. And I said again, that was my first initial thought. So now here we go. We've got Haley Cowan coming up in this fight, and I'm probably gonna fade her. I gotta watch some more film though on this this girl. Eight, yeah, what's her name? Uh, uh, Aileen Perez. Gotta see more film on her because yeah, I'm not really sure what to expect from this chick, and she's kind of got a wild side, which I'm gonna show you that in a second when this thing will work. <laughs> Yeah, Dan, remember that, dude? Yeah. Yeah, people give me a little bit of shit for that. I I always appreciate you remembering that. I I, I kind of fell upon that story, just kind of tripped upon it. Next thing you know, I had some details, and people were like, don't say nothing, dude. Be quiet. <laughs> no, Dan, I'm always responding to you, dude. I love it. I love it, man. Bring the comments. Love your 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 uh your attitude about shit, dude. Love it, man. Love it. I was just trying to pull this video up. So I'm trying to pull the video up at the same time. I want to get back to these comments. Um, I'll get back to this in just one second. Let me show you this clip of this girl, Aileen Perez. And let's see if you guys can uh, pick up on anything that might be a little bit odd about this face-off. Anything out of the ordinary. Let's put it that way. I don't want to give it away. Because I want you guys to enjoy this is the kind of shit you see when you're when you're watching too many fight breakdowns. This is our face off with Aileen Perez at one of her prior fights. There she comes up here. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're gonna take the pants off in a very specific way. Okay. Here she goes. <laughs> so she's got, you know, she's got a little junk in the trunk. All right, she feeling herself. See a lot, a lot of, 
the poses and like you know kissing the room and you know basically just you know, kind of flirting with everything right she's a flirt not necessarily like a flirt a bad way just you know flirting with the world right you can see her there throwing kisses to other people to cameras and then this is her opponent she was fighting stephanie eggers that's right this is her versus stephanie eggers she lost this fight Or Stephanie, a little more normal. Here's the face-off. So this girl on the right is fighting Haley Cowan coming up on um this weekend. All right, guys, pay attention, especially the guys. Uh, any, I don't watch this, but <laughs> all right, stay classy, San Diego. Big classy, and there you got. Elin Perez. Not to say. But came across that and um, another video of hers too. She was, you know, kind of mold. <laughs> I was like, all right, girl. So we'll see what she does her way in. We'll see. We'll see. Dan writes in here, never had Twitter or Graham. They can't cancel me for making Drew Dober jokes here. <laughs> You're damn right, dude. You're okay. You're safe. You're in a safe place. You're in a safe zone. Same uh, Gun writes in here, or Guru, I'm sorry, Guru the Pig writes in here at Dan Goldstein, Dober, Big Bear, Big Dog. He's a lion, lol. Yeah, he's a lion, all right, dude. He's lion face, big Mr. Big Face. <laughs> Dan Goldstein writes in here, more cake than a French bakery, though, right? Yeah, she's uh, definitely had some cake back there, huh? <laughs> nice funny comments. You guys are hilarious. Guru writes in here, my dad always said to me, big asses take big shits. That is so funny. I've heard that from some old school dudes. It's hilarious. I mean, she's got some, definitely carrying around a little small child back there. She's talented. I'm sure the guys are going to love that this week. I mean, look, if you're going to watch fighting, I think for, for women, if I'm a female fan, I'm watching men fight, I'd rather just watch guys that also are attractive too. Is that safe to say? Is that okay? Is that too much? And as a male fan, I'm happily married with children, but I'd rather watch, if I could see two female fighters fight, I'd rather watch like Alejandra Lara and someone of that ilk than to, I'm not going to say other names, okay? <laughs> so yeah, I hear you, Guru. Dan writes in here, I didn't say it was good cake, LOL. <laughs> Cheesecake back there. Yes, it's definitely, you know, got to be careful. She's got to be careful, right? Things can, things can get out of hand there if she's not careful. Is that what you're saying? On any right here, Dan, I got locked out of Twitter. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was too good. So, on Annie's reminding everyone what happened. She writes here to Dan, I got locked out of my Twitter because I accidentally was editing my birthday and I fat fingered my year. That I was born in 2013 instead of my correct year. They said I was under age. Yeah, it's hilarious. That is oh, on Annie. I don't know how to even write an email to Twitter. Is that a real place? Maybe create a fake Twitter temporary account and then write to them and tell them what happened. They could help you undo this madness. Madness, I tell you. Guru the Pig writes in here, thoughts about Mark Zuckerberg bringing VR to the UFC and watching the fight inside the octagon when will we see that technology and how much would you have to 
pay for that service. First of all, that VR stuff is incredible. Have you ever seen it for the basketball games and stuff? Oh my God, it's incredible. It's like you're at the game. So I'm a big fan of that. I imagine two years. Two years from right now, they have some type of VR thing. I imagine, like, this is going to sound crazy, they're probably going to have a way of, like, putting, like, a small camera, like, on the hip of the fighters that'll be, like, embedded in the short. Um, they'll maybe find a way to put, like, a, a taped camera, like, like in the center of the chest, like, It'll be the same color of the of the fighter's skin. It'll be a small little thing. They'll tape a small camera to the chest of the fighter, and in, a, in an area where they, they can't really get hit, where it wouldn't do any damage. Like they're gonna find ways to put cameras in almost every single aspect of where you could put them at. As for Mark Zuckerberg, he's a gigantic MMA fan, so I'm not limiting what he might do. He probably will go above and beyond. And he's also friends with Dana, so. Yeah, we're going to see some evolution in that area of the game, and I'm all for it. I'm all for it. More technology, more visuals, you know, more more angles. Let's go. Aunt Annie writes in here. That was funny seeing her do that. <laughs> you got to flaunt it. I mean, I have to go to my notes because I believe it's this is, again, this is the, the wonderful world of doing film study, and uh, I wouldn't have any other way. I love coming across film and I try to tag it because when it come across film like that, I'm like, Oh hell yeah, this is funny. And she has another one. Doesn't she? Yeah. She has another one. She, she's, she's, she's a, she's a mess. She's a, she's a mess, but yeah, I come across those and they just make me laugh. You know, they come, they just make me really laugh. <laughs> Dan Goldstein writes in here, guru, the pig philosopher and student of history. Look, if you're asking me to Spartan kick one of one off a cliff, Jess Rose or tweet or tweaking Perez. I'm pushing the twerk girl. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, I mean, yeah, Jess Rose Clark, she'll be back soon. She's looking to make her comeback soon. She's got some cake, but she's got a different kind of a sexual appeal. She's got that the tattoos and the bad girl, and the you know, I think Perez is more of the uh Latina with her attitude and all her stuff, this, this, this. I need some background music here. It got a little quiet for us. Let's get something on here just to kill the kill the silence a little bit, right? I'm going to respond to some comments here for the next, let's say, 10, 15 minutes or so, and then I'll be winding things down. This has gone way longer than I expected, but I do not mind hanging with the people. I'm mad at the people. I try to be. Dan writes in here, Aunt Annie, you're lucky. Pat Barry never came across your underage profile. <laughs> I'm going to say this. This is all I'm going to say about that. When he did his interview on the Ariel Hawani show, he gave me complete creeper, molester, kidnapper, child abuse revives that's the only way i could put it he gave off those vibes in trying to explain simple things about whatever his relationship is with rose or how it started he mentioning things like she had been groomed before or she knows about that dude, dude, dude don't, don't, talk, don't 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 that's that's personal between you and her don't don't do that. 
maybe the relationship's totally healthy and he's not a creeper. But man, he gave me some creeper vibes. His eyes and like he was coked out. He's like, like, yeah, yeah. You all come out later on when she turns eighteen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got Aunt Annie cracking up over here, Dan. Yeah, you're hilarious, Dan. I do love Dan's energy. Dan writes in here. I'm skirting the line. I fully expect my bitch to read Punch to Death by Pat Barry. Hey, man. You'll be more well-known. You'll be more infamous. Cooper writes in here, Brenda Schaub mentioned more, more major fallout from the James Krause betting scandal on the 284 JRE fight companion. Oh, really? Alluded to huge names being involved in a scandal that will be like a pyramid scheme. Well, let me tell you what. I'm sign me up. I want the juice. I I mean, the one fighter the other day who kind of got suspended, or not kind of, he got suspended. One of his fighters from the gym. You know, seems like you're gonna hear more of that, right? People that were close to the action. In that case, I forgot the fighter's name, but he was like talking highly of James Krause, and he knows his stuff. It's like get the best betting advice, and like oh. I mean, does James Krause end up in this situation if he's not on like talk shows last year talking about making more money doing this and anything else? That was so silly of him to do. When he did that, it pissed people off. Like people got mad at him. Like they were not happy about it. Like, how dare he sit up there and say he makes more money doing this than coaching and he's such a arrogant, pompous bastard and Nobody makes that much money on gambling. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And the next thing you know, he gets in the crosshairs of Nevada and UFC. And then I'm in out. I'm curious, though, Guru. I want to hear more about it. And I'm all ears because it's been now November 9th, 9th or 6th around there was when it first opened up. And it's been a long way since then. They're taking a long time probably because maybe they do have a lot of stuff, like you said. Dan Goldstein writes here, I don't want to mouth breathe on Perez. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh my gosh. Brad's getting a lot of FaceTime here in our, our chat. Dan also writes here, the worst shit Barry did was have Matt Petrone defend him, both white van certified. Yeah, dude. I mean, I saw a photo the other day of uh, Rose and him together and I don't know, man. You know, sometimes it just looks like it looks. Like, I mean, I'm not going to say it, but it just, you know, it looks like something, you know, this doesn't look right. And just like when you watch, let's say, like, if you go to, like, Beverly Hills or Miami, and you see, like, an old man, like a fucking old dude, like a 70, 80 year old man, and he's got a, a young girl around his elbow who's not his daughter and she's got plastic work done and she's hanging on to him and what what am I looking at? Is she there because they have intellectual conversations about you know uh, the stars and Egyptian culture and they met in college and like no, no, no. You know, some people serve a purpose and when I look at, at Barry and I see him 
and images together with her i'm like oh my gosh it just seems like like yeah he, he caught he caught his he caught his fish not the fish caught it i just don't know if she realized that you know she was getting caught and you know what is you know i just yeah and with her it, it does need to be said that there has been tone there's been like a tone of like how do i say it like a tone that she's been she's had some issues right maybe even borderline you know um at least i would i think mental health is not fair to say that's not an appropriate way of painting the picture has 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 battled with uh her own hurdles her own mental health hurdles you hear about that maybe she was groomed before that comes right from pat barry's mouth what, what how extensive was that i mean i don't know man i could even i could i could go on and on about this because there's signs there and where there's smoke, there's fire. Dan writes in, James Krause has been teaching William Knight and Derek Miner all he knows. Dude, ain't that the truth? I mean, it's called spade a spade. He's in his last fight. William Knight was in his last fight, right? Okay. Having money problems. Been in the UFC for a minute. Still having money problems. Fuck it. He said, I'm going for it. I'm going to take my last 25, 30, 40, 50, maybe leverage a few loans, family, friends, get as much as possible, give it to my buddy that I've, been, I've known since, like a family member to me. He's going to go up to whatever, some place where there's a bunch of casinos, going to take a ride, briefcase. He's going to drop four or five grand on each ticket at each different casino, spread it out over the course of the night, all on me to lose by decision. He cashes out all those tickets, gets back in his car after a nice weekend in what's it, Las Vegas. Maybe he goes to Atlantic City, a place where there's more than one casino where he can go in physically to the casinos and say, here's $5,000. That's not too much money on uh, Pratchett now winning by decision. No red flags. The market doesn't move around that much. $5,000 bet goes down the street to another casino again and again and again. Wins the money, takes his cut. Meets up at William Knight a few days. Win-win. Lisa Knight now has a retirement nugget. Not for retirement, but leaving the UFC retirement money to move on with his life. More money than most UFC people would have when they walk away. So maybe UFC, I mean, maybe William Knight's a smart guy. Unless he gets caught and then won't be so smart. But he might be the one who's the smartest in terms of at least his idea. The approach, he's not a good actor. <laughs> that's, that's a part of the problem here. He's not a good actor. Because he didn't do any fighting at all. Didn't even pretend to fight. Maybe he was worried if he even just touches this guy, Prachnell, the guy goes down, even try to fight. So yeah, Dan Goldstein, he took some lessons from James Krause. Guru writes in here, will the UFC fans, hold on one second here, let me get this out of here. Will the UFC fans in general be more satisfied with a dominant John Jones win or an epic face plant KO where Bones goes down face first, headshot dead? You're bringing up some good stuff, Will. I mean, Guru. Um, man, both are exciting. I think John Jones getting knocked out would be more like, whoa, because God's not known for that. He could do it. And John Jones has been out for a minute. No ring rust in the ages of mother. 
Um, so, wow, I think a knockout by God would, would really, that would send the MMA stratosphere in, you know, crazy land. I think John Jones hurting him, knocking him out, that also would get people excited, but not as excited. I think people could see that more. If John Jones is in good shape, and he should be, we're probably going to see this fight go the full distance. I hate to say it. These guys like to work at range or technical. Maybe you can see them being very cautious for the first two, three rounds. Very cautious. You know, we know Gon does that sometimes. But, um, man, I don't know who's the better winner for the for the brand. I feel like John Jones is probably the more marketable because of the past, and Gon's younger. He'll have his time in the future. You know, I don't know. But a knockout by Gon, that would send people in um, hysteria. Hysteria. Dan writes in here, Guru, I'm an anarchist, and my choice has nothing to do with anything more than seeing people cry. Jones by submission, pound for pound champ, DC commentating. <laughs> yeah, I feel you, Dan. I feel you. Guru writes in here, have you guys seen Hella Mark Harley leaking all the Brendan Schaub info? Poor Brenda, everyone piling on. I haven't seen that, Guru. Outside my spectrum, dude. Not aware of it. Not aware of it. Dan writes in, but if the line goes nuts, I'm betting gone at plus 170. I mean, I didn't talk about who I thought was going to win. I don't know who's going to win that fight. I got to look at the whole everything. I think if I had to say right now who's going to win the fight, I'm going to go with gone. That's my, my, my gut. My gut. I think people are betting on John Jones like it's John Jones seven years ago. It's a totally different man. Hasn't fought in a while. Layoffs are real. Yeah. UFC, in some ways, is just regurgitating a brand. Like the UFC, look, they're really good at this. <clears throat> they copy the same model as the NBA and every other big organization with, with stars. You, you, you milk the stars. Okay. Kobe Bryant, guys like Dirk Nowitzki, when they were retiring, the retirement tour. Every stadium, fill it out. You know, I mean, milk the stars. Same thing here with the UFC. They brought John Jones back into the fold because they kind of needed a little more personality in the heavyweight division. They were losing, uh, they were losing uh, Francis Ngannou. Bring back an old name. Don't be surprised if Gon is just much faster and stronger and better and just younger than John Jones. And we're just looking for the old John Jones. He's not there. It's like seven, eight years ago. You know what I mean? So I, I think that's a fear. That I have of, of getting too too far behind John Jones. I think from any perspective, the smart money will be on Kanye. On Khan. Um Guru writes in here at Dan Goldstein, you think Bones beats Khan? Hmm. What do you think, Dan? That fight name of Thick Willie is <laughs> revoked from <laughs> Yo, Dan Goldstein, you're funny. You're right. Thick Willie, he should hand in that fucking name after what he just did. He is soft. I'm a soft Willie. The Willie that needs Viagra. Man. Dan right there, Guru. I think he can control him. He can win. But I'll bet gone at a price because gone and a bum. Not washed. It'll be close. Yeah. I mean, oh, he said he said he meant to say, okay, my bad. But I will bet gone at a price because he ain't a bum and not washed. It'll be close, though. I still may have said that the wrong way. I tried. <laughs> Dan also writes in here, I'd not be surprised if Gon summoned his inner Drew Dober and got Jones out of there. 
right? I agree. Probably goes long. I think these guys are technical, man. They just they tend to do this high volume. Gone is super high volume. Doesn't want to engage too much. Likes to work at distance. That's why when he fought Ngannou, right, it goes to distance because Francis was not trying to engage. He was injured. He was trying to play Patty Knicky. Then he wanted to wrestle for a little while. He does that with with uh, Cyril Gunn, and Cyril Gunn's like, oh, yeah, I already I already do that anyway. I'm not an aggressive fighter. I don't go for the kill. I'm not trying to finish people. I just want to ticky-tack. If you press Cyril Gunn and, like, like, put the iron to his, like, neck and, like, asked him tough questions, he would admit to you, like, he's not looking for finishes. He's a points fighter. And it is a huge issue for the UFC. I'm going to say it right now. The UFC attempted last year to make him the new thing, right? They they got they were like, oh, put him against Rich Nganu. Nganu's hurt. The UFC knew that. Talking about all this, like, you, if you're hurt, you can't fight. Yeah, okay. Nganu was hurt so much so he needed knee surgery, but he was hurt. And he fought anyway. UFC knew that. And the UFC, in essence, basically gave up the information. They told him, they told Cyril Gans camp about the injury, leaked it out, and they wanted Cyril Gaon to beat him. They were hoping to have a bona fide young champion, a guy who's a company man, working for the organization, get him to fight over in France at some point, whatever, so on and so on. And Francis Ngannou took a shit all over that idea. <laughs> I went out there and won an ugly, boring, terrible wrestling match. It was ugly. Awful. We see Cyril Gaon can allow that to happen to him because Cyril Gaon's not trying to fight you. Cyril Gaon's trying to point point fighting. That's that's what he does. And the UFC, in wanting to get rid of Francis Ngannou, is trying to prop up the French guy, Cyril Gaon, and what they end up with is now a guy who's, quite frankly, not going to sell box office anyway. No one's buying tickets to see Cyril Gaon fight. I'm sorry. That, that, that ship has sailed. We've all seen him fight. He's very explosive and super athletic. Yes, Best heavyweight French fighter of all time. Voila. That's great. That's it. It's, he's not going to have big paydays. He's not going to get into any wars. He's not going to have a tie to a boss moment. He's not going to have it. Ain't going to do it. Sorry to just put that diaper Danny on there. Cyril Gaon. If you like Cyril Gaon, I apologize. I think he's a very good fighter. He's a tremendous athlete. Deserving of where he's at in the sport. Just talking box office tickets. Not his style. Guru writes in here, thoughts about Megan Anderson's comments on Sanko and Krause's affair right before the gambling controversy. Was Krause smashing both of them? Ooh, ooh, I hope he was. I hope he was. You know, Krause is a good-looking guy. Good-looking guy. And the word in the street is that Krause does very well financially. He's in a very good place. Owns some property type of thing. You know, he's a mover and a shaker. Maybe Sanko goes down there, you know, goes to the gym. A little workout, a little stretchy, stretch action, a little wine and cheese after the workout. Go back to my place. She sees where he lives, living a good lifestyle. Sako's like, I'm trying to be young again. I don't know. I have no proof anything happened there. I think people start throwing shit around when they're, when they're trying to, you know, they see stuff going on. They're trying to, you know, ignite the fire. Megan Anderson is kind of in the media a little bit. Um, I don't know, man. But if he did smash Sanko, that is a um, <clears throat> how do you describe that? I would say that it's something that a lot of men would be envious of. And I don't know that he's married. And the problem would be that I believe that she's the one who's in cahoots. She's the one who's already, I guess, uh, claimed. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Sanko's a very attractive woman. So to each her own. He, each of his own. As for Megan Anderson, 
she kind of spoke a little bit as if she was the jealous girlfriend, right? Like the jealous, the other girl, right? She was like, oh, I was his side piece. And then Psycho came along and then I was the side piece, side piece. <laughs> Maybe. Mika Anderson is so freaking tall, by the way. I saw some photos of her like on Instagram or something the other day and she was with some other normal size women. And she's just like huge. I wonder if she played basketball growing up. She is so freaking tall. I thought by now she would get back into the cage too. I thought she, I mean, I saw her last few fights and I thought, oh, you know, we should take a break or whatever. No, she's committed to the journalism thing. She's got her social media stuff going on and uh, seems to be happy with it. So you go, girl. But not really sure why she got her name involved with this shit. It was kind of weird that she dropped those comments. But I haven't seen a lot from that since that point. So I'm not really sure there's any you know, validity to it. Dan writes in here, I'm going to get some food. Speaking of Viagra, I better get a nice early notification of any Jesse Rose Clark activity, Manny. Yeah, dude, and I've communicated with her. Uh, haven't been in touch with her now for a few, oh, maybe let's say two months, right? And I went back and forth just trying to get her to set aside a time, and I couldn't nail her down for uh, a showtime. And that's okay. She's super busy, does a lot of stuff, has like a Harley Davidson thing going, and does like promos with them. And she's super cool. Like she bought a schoolie. Um, if you don't know what that is, like a, she bought a basic old school bus. She's converting it to like an RV home to use, to, you know, to drive and do trips and stuff. A lot going on. She's a super cool person, but I haven't been able to nail her down yet for interview. And once I do, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll be sure to let you guys know. I try to get as many good fighters as I can, but she's different good. She's obviously a bit of a, I want to say like a cult favorite amongst the, the men like mixed martial arts, right? She's got the bad girl image going with all the tattoos and shit. She's a super cool person though as well. But yeah, I'll let you know, Dan. Guru the Pig here says, are you interested in all in Jake Paul, Tommy Fury fight? Yes. Very interested. Thank you for mentioning it. I should have brought it up earlier. I'm interested because of the standpoint that everyone's holding on to how long this guy stays undefeated. Is he going to fight a real boxer? So if he were to lose, like, oh, man, people are like, oh, my gosh, he finally lost. Somebody beat him. If he wins, not so much. It's like, oh, the, the hype train keeps going. Betting perspective, though, I do want to see what the line is. I haven't looked at it yet. I'm looking to bet on Jake Paul to win the fight because it seems like that's what's happening. He keeps making these fights where he can win. He does win. And he's fought some, I think, better guys than this guy. This guy might be a boxer, whatever. But I think, I think Jake Paul has fought guys better than this guy. And I think he wins the fight. So, yeah, I am curious. I do want to see how it works out. Now, the undercard, I know nothing about it. There's some other guys in the card. I know nothing about it. I'm all for the chaos of the Jake Paul world, the hysteria of the celebrity boxing, whatever you want to call it. Like, it's something to watch. Now, what time is it? <clears throat> oh, it's on Sunday. That's right. It's Sunday at 12 o'clock. I remember this. It's being held in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> this Jake Paul dude, man, went from a YouTuber to look at what he's doing with his life. It's amazing. So in Saudi Arabia, 12 o'clock p.m., basically kickoff time p.m. on a Sunday, that's when this card is supposed to start, or I guess around that's when the main, I don't know, around that time, look it up for your local listings. But I'll be tuned in. I'm curious. And I think Jake Paul wins the fight, probably by decision. Play that. You're welcome for that free tip. On any rights in here. Good night, everyone. My little butt is tired. I party too hard for my birthday. Hello, well. Another good show. Thank you. You're welcome on any. And many happy blessings to you. Happy 25th birthday. Stay young, stay beautiful, and you're always welcome here. Your comments, your suggestions, your your beautiful energy. Stay young. We'll see you soon, kiddo. Yeah, Aunt Annie, she's a legend. And yeah, I thought about that. 
Dan Goldstein, as I was saying it, I thought to myself, I used a very interesting set of words. Like I, I couldn't nail her down for an interview. And Dan stole my thunder. Boom, boom. Dan writes in here, I'll nail her down, Manny. Just send me the location. <laughs> I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome, Aunt Annie. You're very welcome. Have a beautiful, beautiful, happy birthday evening. The rest of it. You got 364 days to go before your 26th birthday. Feliz cumpleaños. All right, the guru writes in here. Would you ever have a one-off superior genetically gifted child with Megan Anderson if it guaranteed you a long-reigning, retiring, undefeated future world champion UFC fighter? No strings attached. Lots going on there. I'm a parent. I love my kids, so I do want strings attached in terms of my kids. I, you know, I, I love them. I enjoy the whole process, you know. But the string you're talking about is probably Megan Anderson, right? <laughs> Because as as hot of a physical looking specimen as she might be, uh, I think she's not playing with a full card upstairs. She gets, kind of comes off to me like it might be a little bit of a, a little bit of crazy person sometimes. I don't know. Um. So to answer your question, my wife, the right answer of my wife one here is no. I no, I would not do that. Now, if I was not married in a serious situation, if this was a serious scenario, which I'm no, I don't know why I'm making it serious because it's not serious. If I was not married, all right, or I was single somehow, previously married, uh, yeah, I would do it knowing that, you know, as long as we were both taking care of the kid well and there's a healthy, some, some kind of healthy discord, uh, why not, right? Because she is super duper tall. You could have yourself a genetically, you know, superior athlete. And you're talking about the scenario means that you're guaranteed to have a reigning, retiring, undefeated future world champion. Yeah, come on. And I would even say even if a female. Female or male fighter doesn't matter to me. I have no, no, uh, no preference. So I guess yeah, I'm taking that. I'm going for that. <laughs> Ice Viking writes in here, "Happy birthday, Annie!" Yes, guys, wish wishing Annie a happy birthday on Annie from the MMA Holes community. Matter of fact, it took me too long to get to that point. MMA Holes, those guys, awesome show, tons of content. Whenever we get anybody from over in their side of the world. We appreciate it. I, I try to check in and see their shows throughout the week. I have a Discord. I get in there a little bit. But the MMA Holes has a phenomenal platform, big-time show. Aunt Annie comes over from from that side of the world, and uh, we appreciate it. Anyway, from the MMA Holes community, we appreciate them. They're kind of crazy, too. They roll deep. They'll fight you. Okay? They'll fight you, so watch yourself. Who writes in here? What's hotter in your opinion, Sank or Olivia? Who's who's uh Olivia? Who Olivia? Who? Write the full name out there for me because I kind of can't think of who you're talking about. Olivia, Olivia, Olivia. And with Sanko, oh my god, it's gonna sound really unpopular here. I think Laura Sanko is very attractive. I do. I think she's attractive, and I think physically she's got a very like a woman's body. If that makes any sense, you know, I, I, nothing different people, different physiques for everybody, right? I like that she's a bit uh, volu- volu- voluptuous in the right areas, put it that way, okay? But there's a lot of makeup on that face, <laughs> there's a lot of makeup going on there. And you know, when you're on television and you know, um, um, I want to check this up now, you're on television and you're, you're 
lot of makeup and stuff. It's just, I don't know. Oh, oh, Megan Olivia, what's wrong with me? So, man, you guys got me thinking tonight. Yeah, I'm going Megan Olivia all day. I feel like that's a really good example because I could see where, you know, the body of Sanko, you know, she's very blessed and, you know, there's there's a lot there, a lot of good stuff. Olivia's, Olivia's more, you know, a little more petite, okay? But if you're just talking about, again, I, I think, you know, the face, I, I believe that, you know, Livy in the morning, less makeup looks more naturally what you're seeing, more naturally beautiful than what you might be seeing from Sanko. But, hey, I could be wrong. And to Easter own, they're both very pretty in their own right. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Olivia's uh, getting my vote here in this one. I love the the question. I love having to contemplate these type of things. Like, you know, who's prettier? <laughs> I want to be asking those questions. I want to be on that panel. <laughs> but I do think again, like if you know, you're both. They're both in a. They're both very attractive, and I, I also like the way they do their job. So, like, <clears throat> being serious now, Laura Sanko, very informative, smooth in the microphone, does good post fight interviews. So on and so on, and the same thing with Livy. I, I think that uh, the way she covers the sport, knowledgeable, and they're females. You know, doing something that like could never be imagined 15, 20 years ago, like females covering sports. We were just finally getting our first female reporters in all sports back then, let alone mixed martial arts, right? So yeah, super dope. How do I not know who we're talking about when you said Livy? I don't know what's wrong with me, girl. It's three oh three in the morning, guys. Three oh three in the morning here, East Coast time. I'm gonna go for five more minutes. Shut things down. I gotta get some more work done. Get to the rest of the breakdown for UFC Vegas 70. Hopefully, maybe get to that entire card today. That would be amazing. Get that video up for you guys. The Substack written up for you guys. Get all that out for you guys. So I'm trying. It's a lot going on. The last few weeks have been pretty busy. And um, do whatever we can to do. Keep you guys up to speed and uh, informed. This is episode six of Midnight MMA. We appreciate those who've been able to join us tonight. We had no guests tonight, but that was the plan. We just had too busy of a week. Couldn't get things scheduled for that. I had a chance to talk about a few things going on in the mixed martial arts world. UFC Vegas 69. And uh, taking a look forward to some of the things coming up. Guru writes in here. Are you a fan of Sean Strickland? Hmm. How do I answer that? I guess I don't mind Sean Strickland. I don't like have an issue with him. I do like his... He's transparent, talked about like being formerly uh, like, you know, <clears throat> white supremacist and then, you know, being treated well by minorities and realizing, you know, what am I doing? I like that. I like that kind of like, you know, that awoken moment of like, you know, I, you know, I've made mistakes in my life and I'm willing to be corrected. That's cool. Um, what I find to be unattractive is the right way to put it is his um, attempts to be cheeky the microphone. I think sometimes it, it hits. It, it, it's like, it's, it hits well, right? The times it's like you're trying too hard. Um, but that works in that world sometimes, right? I mean, Kobe Covington, he's the king of trying too hard, but it's worked for him. You know, so, yeah, I'm not against it. I think Sean Strickland is, he's much more part of the solution than the problem. We're talking about mixed martial arts and had a good win recently, too. You know, can't take it away from him. All right, boys and girls, three hours in, 
Don't even know how I got this point. We've been talking for way too long. But for those who came through tonight, I appreciate your presence. Ice Viking, Guru the Pig. Guru the Pig, your first time being here, dude. Go ahead, please make sure you like, subscribe. And for those that are still here, if you haven't done so already, I'm going to chase you down and follow you and 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 and, and whoop your ass if you do not go and subscribe to our Substack newsletter. What are you waiting for? That's a free newsletter. <clears throat> And when I say free, there's no like paid version versus free version versus paywall or any missing content. Full card breakdowns, written format, odds, statistics, fighter comparisons, all sent to you via email, right to your inbox. You can use the Substack newsletter app on your phone as well. You can pull it up anytime during the week, you know, read one fight, maybe you're on the bus, the train, you're traveling. If you don't like to reading, that's fine. We have our video breakdowns here as well. But the Substack newsletter gives you also the tip sheet, a full tip sheet for every event. If you subscribe today, you go up there and see our tip sheet from UFC Vegas 69, our tip sheet from UFC Vegas 284, back-to-back weeks plus money, good simple bets, prop bets, parlays, individual bets, some long shot stuff, and then, of course, our specials. Subscribe to our Substack newsletter as soon as you can. The link's down below. It's totally free. Get on the boat. Get on the train with us, find out what's going on, and it's all entirely free. If you're a capper, if you're in the media, per se, if you're writing articles for Mixed Martial Arts, subscribe to our newsletter. The information in there is going to save you hours and hours and hours of research to looking up numbers and stats, fighter details, they're right-handed and left-handed, how many strikes per minute they land, so on and so on. That's all in there. Access to our Excel sheets, access to our full, um, not our full, access to our raw breakdown notes on Google Drive. That's all available through our Substack newsletter. So subscribe to that as soon as you can. On that note, a few more people I want to thank. Ice Viking, Aunt Annie. Happy birthday to Aunt Annie the Knitter. It's always a pleasure having her here with us. Dan Goldstein. Love my man, Mr. Goldstein. He's an old timer. He's been like coming through here since we first started the channel. Of course, Guru the Pig, first timer. Welcome, Mr. Guru. Going up a little bit higher here, we've got, who else I have to thank coming through tonight? Give me a second here. I don't want to miss anybody. That wouldn't be right. Tommy Unders. Yes, Tommy Unders. Always good to have Tommy Unders coming through. Thank you for coming through with us, buddy. Appreciate you. And Choi Bay. Choi Bay, yes, Choi Bay. Always a pleasure having you through, Choi Bay. You're always welcome in our chat, dude. Always welcome. And I believe... That is about, oh, MPTV. MPTV was here earlier. Looks like he came in for a short little while and then backed out. But thank you guys for being here. For those listening to this tomorrow morning via our podcast, enjoy. If you missed anything that you can't access during the podcast, you have to be basically watching on YouTube. This will be available on YouTube as well. So you can go back and look at it later on. So for those that are looking at this later on, still do me the favor of liking and subscribing and definitely going ahead and subscribing to our Substack newsletter. You will not regret it. Free information, reliable, timely, no spam, no nonsense. All it requires is your email. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining me for episode six of Midnight MMA. It's been a pleasure. We recapped last week in the mixed martial arts world, and we're now on to next week. We'll see you guys soon. Join us next Sunday night at midnight on Sunday, every Sunday night. We're here for you guys for all the midnight owls. I like to talk mixed martial arts late into the night on the weekend and recap the week that was. All right, guys, we'll see you soon. Deuces.